0: pass the the mic will be the first single from check your head the beastie boy's upcoming release it will feature rap sounds some nirvana like metal and is supposed to sport influences by brazilian pop singers as well as 50s anti-rock oldster mitch miller the style may jerk around from track to track, but the Beastie Boys say it's all innocent music making. Every time, like we make records, people ask us, like, do we set out to shock people? But really, we're just doing our, you know, we just do our thing and then. Describing the current Beastie Boy thing may be best left to those responsible. It's kind of a new Jack swing. A middle maniac talk show. <laughs> with a polka. With a funky beat type of thing. through my mind comes through my walk, two of soul from the way that I it Busy at their new headquarters in Atwater, California, the last three years have not been idle ones for the Beastie Boys. They say they had a profitable run as vendors of parrots.
1: You take a bird that's only $5
0: and you sell it for $200 and it gets this nice home because these people think it's this crazy rare bird.
1: And now they're looking forward to serious wheeling and dealing during their upcoming tour. And what they
0: say is the lucrative trade in used musical instruments.
1: We're going to go on tour probably in May,
0: right, around the country. if anybody has, you know, old, old equipment and stuff they need to get rid of, you know, come down to the show during the day, you know, just park your truck right there with all the stuff you got, and we'll work something out. These guys may live in L.A., but they look like New York to us. I am down, down to watch the MC, MC who acts like a clown. Well, for, for now, I'd like to ask you
1: how you like, like to feel the, feel the, the, vase, in the vase, vase in your face in the crowd. The Beastie Boys back again.
0: Now this is most important, Rat right? comes down to making out Whenever possible Put on side one of Rock All Over You Podcast Let's rock oh. Eric and Edwin
1: Edwin and Eric, they don't give a fuck They just want you to rock Yeah Bam,
0: bam, bam, dilly dee Bam, bam, bam Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of the Rock All Over You podcast. This is me, Eric Jordan, RMCP, joined yet again by my co-host, Eddie Canastracci.
1: Hey, what's up, man?
0: Not much, man. Same, uh, same same, old, same old, you know. I've been listening to this album because, man, it's a, it's, a, it's a long one, I'll tell you that.
1: Yeah, that's why I thought it should just be you and me, because there's a lot, especially because <laughs> there's a lot of, like, you know like there's a lot of uh, interludes and what
0: have you. And it's like every, broken up. It's almost like the the hip hop equivalent of the white album by the Beatles. Yeah, so there's a lot to talk about and it,
1: it's worth talking about like even just yeah. the little transitions are worth talking
0: about. so that's why oh I yeah there's just... like, there's one in particular that I, I I think is actually like for an interlude it's like really really good. Yeah, there's a couple I can pick up. So
1: yeah, I can imagine. That's the thing. The interludes on this album are better than some people's like
0: actual tracks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's and,
0: def- and uh, yeah. Today, so today, I mean, we are going to be talking about the Beastie Boys, uh, their third album, Check Your Head. Uh, so t- today we're going to be the Rap All Over You podcast, yo. Yeah, but there's a little rock on here. Oh, there's there's a lot of rock on here, so yeah. don't be yeah. don't let the title fool you. I mean, this is an album worth checking out, even if you're like not a rap fan, you're more of a rock fan. This album is actually like really freaking good. It's very diverse. Yep. But yeah, uh, what we gotta talk to you, man? There's just been a lot of uh, a lot of crazy stuff happening, and uh, at the time our viewers are listening to this episode, at the time they're listening to this. We actually haven't had an episode up in a while, and, uh, you know, there's nothing going on, you know, it's just uh, me and Edwin are both very busy, like, people, you know, we have lives outside of this, we, uh, you know, we both work, you know, we, we do this out of love, we do this because we love doing it, we love talking music and putting it out there for everyone to hear, uh, but man, just been a, for me, because I I mainly do the editing, um i freaking uh i just been swamped at work lately uh this whole month of july i've been on call pretty much yeah. all month you, g- you gotta my- work for a living
1: you know we yeah, both do yeah. but, it, but you especially you gotta work even harder than me and you're the <laughs> uh, you're the motherfucker editing this shit
0: yeah so, you know like uh, you know we're not like decibel geeks i think decibel geek has people their own people like editing for them like they're on that god tier and uh, we're not Mark, you know, Mark just, like, slaps that shit out there. He records it, and he just uploads <laughs> it immediately. Love you, Mark.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm laughing with you, Mark, not at you. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And I did listen to the the recent episode of Freeform Rock Podcast. He talked about throwing copper by Live, and there's a couple songs on that album I really enjoyed. So I went and listened to it. Hey, the thing I like about Mark
1: is he knows. Like, I know he does his shit stirring. That's part of his brand. He told me that once. We had an exchange about it. And I was like, Mark, what are you doing? What are you yeah. doing? Like, Even because he's called out us a few times. Yeah. Like, oh, I share you all the time. You don't share me. And it's just like, well, you know, we're lucky if we have two episodes a month. Like, really. Yeah. Seriously. Like, Mark, you have so much fucking content. You oh, my God, yeah. You put out an episode every week. Plus, you have the BS sessions every week. Plus, you do that coda where you, you and Lee get drunk and you put up
0: a video every Saturday.
1: <laughs> like, so that's three yeah. things guaranteed a week.
0: Yeah, and and the thing, too, is, like, with Freeform, they review albums I like, and I love to hear that. I always love hearing people review an album I like, whether they like it or not. You know, I like hearing different opinions. Uh, If they review an album I don't like, I obviously want to hear that, too. Uh, But sometimes they review just albums, like, I'm not real familiar with or not that crazy about, or they review just random stuff that I don't know about, so I'm... I don't always have a lot of time on my hands, so like yeah. it's I can't always check out every episode, and like especially when they do like just off-the-wall stuff I've never heard of, you know? Yeah, which I respect.
1: I, I think it's cool that they do stuff like that, but yeah, yeah
0: I mean, that's the thing. We're busy guys,
1: and we got lives, and there's only so much content that you can you know, ingest. You yeah, know? exactly. And but take the time to share. And that's the thing. And I said, Mark, well, you should know, like, when I do actually share something, it's because I actually listen to it, and, and I like it. Mark's like, I don't care, just share it anyway. Like, even if I not listen to It's just like, dude, I can't, I just don't have the time. I but, know, man. But, 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 you know, I love you, and I think it's great, and I think it's rock and roll, that you don't give a fuck. Like, you just put it out raw and uncensored, and you just throw it out there. That's your style. That's what makes... Freeform, form. It's that yeah. Mark just puts it out there, but it was it was funny as hell. I just got to say that one last week when he uh-huh. was really, it, RMCp talked about it. But I, you know, when he was, I think you were like going back and forth with him, like on Facebook. I Ooh. like that's the thing. I'm not on Facebook constantly. I came yeah, in. Yeah, you're
0: you know, not on as often.
1: Yeah, I came in late late that night, and <laughs> it was funny. I came on, and I see this long thread. <laughs> Ed, Ed, I see you guys going back and forth, and Mark's going back and forth. By the time I get in there, I go, hey, Mark, wh- uh, wh- what's up, uh, man? You know, I share you when I can. He's like, oh, it's all right. I was just drunk. Everything's cool now. Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: like, oh, okay, Oh, so my God, yeah. I'm
1: I good, uh, knack for missing Mark when he's aggro drunk. I kind of come in when he's in the... yeah. Mark the mediator. <laughs> he comes in at the contrite stage. Yeah, that's
0: that's what I like to come in. <laughs> yeah, but oh my God! So speaking of Mark, because this one of the biggest things I wanted to talk about because it seemed to uh, with all of our groups that we're a part of and our group of friends. And this is why everyone, if you're not part of the Facebook page, you need to join it, and you also need to join the Rock and Mel Combat Podcast page. There's a whole community of people there, man. A lot of shit goes down that you know we'll probably discuss sometimes on this podcast. Yeah, that's holy half shit, half the
1: fun is going on to the Facebook group. Yeah, that's like the it.
0: after party, man. That's like the after party of this podcast. You want to get backstage and party, you know? But fucking holy shit, the just extreme has been the band of the fucking of the week. Um, or The whole month, basically. Everyone's been talking about fucking extreme and just you know some you got the people bashing them or goofing on them And then you got the people though defending them and mainly led by mark <laughs> Wait, How many people is that exactly
1: when you say people you, know you mean like two it's, people?
0: It's Mark <laughs> Allen Taylor. There's Mark Daly, which I, don't, I know Mark Daly may not even be an extreme fan He just he just joins in on Mark's side because he wants the shit to keep going on yeah. You know, he's like that little devil on Mark Allen Taylor's shoulder, like, encouraging him, like, no, keep fighting, keep going, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I know your buddy, uh, Michael Hampton, he likes Extreme, too, but I mean, he doesn't no, know. No, no, he... Yeah, it, but,
1: you know? yeah, but he was also making fun of them at the same time. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's like, like, he
0: likes stuff, them, but he I kind of... I know, like, this is kind of goofy shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, he likes some of their shit, but he knows it's goofy. Yeah, <laughs> but, man, it, it started with, um, it started with, you know, a big news story. It was Nita Strauss. She's, uh... She's not leaving Alice Cooper's band entirely. She's just leaving for the fall tour to go on tour with Demi Lovato. And you know, everyone was talking about it and then Mark brought up um that oh, this is like when uh what's his name? Nuno Buttfucker from Extreme left uh Extreme to join Rihanna, which you know, I started joking like, "Well, he fucking made a upgrade because I agree with that. Rihanna has like three <laughs> songs I like whereas Extreme has zero songs that I like." And uh I <laughs> And uh, so I just, like, I made that joke about, like, yeah, he upgraded. And then Charles Trainer joined in saying, oh, like, yeah, they, they suck. And then he made some some comment, like, react uh, replying to Mark saying, like, oh, what what's good songs do they have? More Than Words or, you know, that Hole in My Ass song? <laughs> and right then and there, like, it just exploded. Like, when he made that joke, I thought it was hilarious. And then it just opened up the floodgates for this whole extreme talk, and then it ended up on the Rock and Mel Combat podcast episode, and once they start talking about something on their show, like, it's everywhere. And yeah. it's just been, oh, it's just been so much fun. Because um, I don't like extreme, uh, you know, and I just like goofing on them. I love making jokes about them, because they're, they're an easy target, let's be honest. Yeah, you know, I, I, might... yeah. well, yeah, obviously, because they're dorks, but, and they Ooh, make oh, bad music. <laughs> Gary Cherone. <laughs> He looks like the—he looks like the dorky stepdad that like those kids have, you know, like the absolute dweeb. And he goes to the for Halloween, he dresses up as a rock star and buys the cheap rock star costume. Just looks goofy as hell, and his stage moves are even it's worse. Horrible. I remember I watched the clip when he was with Van Halen, and they, you know, oh, they were
1: promoting it a little bit, you know, at the beginning. And then they just <laughs> gave up. But you know, the video was out, you know, um, without you, and then they they showed the uh, like some clips of him live, and, and it was a cool set list. They were doing like you know opening with like Unchained and stuff. But man, it was Gary just. Uh, Oh, was he so awkward live and yeah. just, so, just so try hard and even like and I said this in my Van Halen uh discography review, rama that if things Gary, like even on that album three, you could just like hear the effort, you could hear like a guy who like yeah, technically he's a good singer, but everything is just very forced and try hard. And he was trying to sound thing. like
0: Sammy almost. Well, and that's that's Eddie probably.
1: And, and I'll say this: like Ed. I said, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not a uh, Sammy apologist by any means, you know, and I'm a Dave guy. But I did, I said this on the BS sessions with Jerry and Mark, uh, and I said, you know, Gary Sharon made me, made me, he did the impossible. He made me pine for Sammy Hagar. <laughs> <Hey. laughs> because seriously, you know you're bad this. when you out suck
0: uh, Sammy Hagar. <laughs> you can say this for Sammy. Sammy sounds confidently Sammy. Like, yeah, he's pretty confident how bad he is. <laughs> <laughs> he's not trying hard.
1: He's just Sammy. He does his thing. He's there, and you know. But Gary just there's so much effort going on, and you, it comes through in everything he sings. It's just like it's a guy that's just really, really trying hard. It's like they say bad acting is when you see the acting. And Gary Shrone's like that, and it, he's it, with his stage presence, his singing, and he was like that even in his own goddamn band. It's one thing to say, okay, he's in Van Halen, it's kind of intimidating, you know, you're the yeah. third singer, and, you know, he got filled, you know, four shoes, not just two. But, man, even in his own fucking band, he sounded like a guy that was auditioning and kind of trying hard, like, he just... He just is not a natural singer. And that's why that little comment I met, made about them being like a bunch of douchebags from Guitar Center. Yeah. It's just got that vibe. They just got the vibe of people that technically know what they're doing, but it's not like coming from any real, like, kind of real place. Like, it's not coming yeah. from walls. It's it's from their, like, hey, we learned how to do stuff, so now we're going to make music.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, you know, I, I've always said this, you know, you can be the greatest musician in the world, but, you know, being a great musician and being a songwriter, good songwriter are two different things. You know, yeah. um, uh, like the band Nitro with Michelangelo Batio. Michelangelo Batio, man, he is a great guitarist. He can put on a hell of a guitar clinic. Like, he do all this cool stuff. But, man, he can't, you know... You really want to listen to Nitro? Like those songs suck. You know, it's so you got you know a lot of bands like that where it's like these ultra talented musicians, but man, they cannot write a song to save their lives. You know, you yeah. got some bands that aren't like the greatest. You know, like they're very simplistic. They don't, they can't. You know, they can't shred or do any of this crazy stuff on guitar. But man, they can write a they can write a damn good tune. You know.
1: Yeah, and have a vibe. You know, that's the yeah. Thing too. Like it's funny because extreme and extreme really are asking for it. Because they call themselves extreme.
0: Oh my god, yeah, it's like, you're and gonna call so yourself not extreme and you're writing this wussy ass fucking music. Like,
1: like, like they're out at the same time where Pantera's like, out doing like, you know. Actual extreme home. fucking metal. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, a, it's laughable. Come on, come on, extreme's laughable. Now, I did promise Mark, that I would listen, actually listen to one of their albums, which, cause I've never actually listened to an album whole, cause even in junior high I thought they were lame. So, oh, yeah. I, I like some lame stuff in junior high. And even and, uh, Extreme
0: was like, no, not, not going there. <laughs> I had a friend named Jake who, uh, real cool guy, great guitar player, but man, he, he loved him some like goofy ass fucking hair bands and like he listened to like Trickster and he listens like, all the other Motley Crue albums that aren't Shot the Devil, uh, and Extreme was a band he really liked, cause he liked Nuno, and uh, oh god, so I, I tried, because I listened to like a lot of hair metal in uh, high school, and uh, I tried getting to that band, I'm like, man, these guys just suck, <laughs> and there was one day, uh, I, I had this, the girl from the, when we did our rat episode, the girl I used to date, you know? Uh so I caught her not cheating with my best friend, but talking about how much they love Nuno Buttfucker, which to me was worse than cheating. Oh, that's bad. And uh I was like, Yeah, this this is over, like this is horrible. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I mean, uh I just to me they're just they're like horrible, you know. Yeah, they're talented musicians, man, but it's just like they cannot write a song and they're just, you know, they're part of that group of horrible eighties bands that just were watered down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're great musicians, but they can't write a song. I guess I'll, I'm gonna say this: I, I think Hootie and the Blowfish were better, and the
1: Spin Doctors, because Spin I, Doctors. Yeah, because I will say this, folks: they they weren't trying to be rock for one thing, and like hard rock anyway. They weren't mm-hmm. trying to be that, and their songs are a little bit more memorable. So. I mean, I mean, sure. That more than words song, I, like even that whole song, you know, that heart like a hole or head like a hole. I don't whatever a hole the fuck in my ass, <laughs> hole in my ass. I I never remember what that song sounds like until I start watching the oh, video, God. and I kind of forget what it sounds like even while I'm watching it.
0: <laughs> it oh, I remember too. And that that's video the had biggest hit. <laughs> I remember too. That hole in my ass video It had uh, what's because I'm a hockey fan. Uh, it had Cam Neely and uh, Lyndon Breyers in it. They're like on the street, like playing guitar with Extreme and whatnot. Well, let me say for all my hockey fans listening, uh, Cam Neely, a lot of people blame Alf Samuelson for ending his career with that, uh, Ill, with that dirty hit. No, it was just basically, uh, the coach saw Cam Neely in that fucking, uh, Extreme video and he got, he just fucking benched him. He's like, no, no, what the fuck? You think teams are gonna take us seriously now because of this shit?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I've been putting it off. But I, I feel I should listen to, at least to their one big album, that porno whatever. Oh, no, porno graffiti album sucks. Yeah, I know, but I feel like I should listen to it once oh. just so I can officially weigh in. But I can tell you, I've been putting it off. It's like it's like, it's like Pee Wee Herman with the snakes. <laughs> yeah, I just keep putting it off. It's
0: like, I keep looking, oh, I don't, It's one of those really? things like, uh, like uh Fuck it, like, it'll die at some point, and you just put it on the CD player. It, it, it'll <laughs> fuck up, uh, cause, you know, when
1: I sample music, I do listen to Spotify, especially for something like Extreme that I know I'm yeah, not gonna buy. I'm not but this, paying but money th- for that shit. No, but this is the problem. If I listen to Extreme on Spotify, it's gonna fuck up my algorithm.
0: Yeah, because then you're going to get recommended stream and trickster.
1: They're going to think I like shit music. You know what? I'll listen to it on YouTube, but but I'm not signing in.
0: (laughs) But that's going to be like, oh, you need to be 18 or older to listen to this because it's disturbing content. (laughs) That's what
1: I'm going to do. I'm going to not sign in to YouTube, and I'm going to go in incognito mode. I don't want... And then I'm going to make sure to clear all my cache first. It's going to be like I went through some really fucked up pornography. Yeah, I know, right? It's like trying any, to watch porn when you're a kid I, I and you're trying to hide any, out. I don't want any fucking watermark or footprint that I did this on my computer, so yeah.
0: Dude, I, <laughs> I used to have... <laughs> Dude, when I was a kid, I had like this... Uh, I had like a bed... Uh, And, you know, this is, like, when I was, like, I had this, like, bed, like, set up. And it was, like, when I was 13, it was, like, a new one. And it had, like, this little, it had, like, drawers on the side. But then there's this little, like, door in a middle section, which was used for, like, storage. But I was still, like, small enough where I could fit under there. I literally used to hide, like, porno magazines. That's where I'd, like, hide to, you know, go have some special time, you know, so my parents couldn't find me. I like that it's old school, because even when you yeah. were
1: a kid, it was, like, internet age, because you were oh, yeah. only 29, so you still were going to magazines, just because Yeah, you were always a retro kid.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, because back then, like, it's still, I don't think, like, the whole iPhone thing or an iPod touch thing was still, like, a, a thing yet. Like, you couldn't look up porn on the computer because it would fuck up your computer still, and, like, I mean, obviously, now you can go on your phone. Like, kids have it easy nowadays. It was a challenge trying to... You know, do things like smoke weed or, you know, watch porn when you were a kid. You know, kids have it so much easier nowadays.
1: Yeah, I remember it was tough for nerds, you know, jerking off to like Jillian Anderson in nineteen ninety nine. They'd have to like <laughs> sit and wait for the wait for the one picture to download.
0: It took like ten minutes. Yeah. They already you went keep through checking like two make hot- sure your parents wouldn't come in.
1: Yeah, they already went through like two hot pockets by then and lost their chubby. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, do we have to talk more backstream, or is that it?
0: (laughs) Uh, no, and goddamn, Mark told me, like, to listen to, like, uh, Gary Sharon's solo stuff, which I told him, like, yeah, I'll check it out, but... I keep pointing it off, too, because I'm like, <laughs> God damn, you know, I, I'm still young, but, like, I don't have a lot of time left, you know? It's, like, to be listening to this shit, you know? <laughs> that's a, it's like Ian Wadley said that in one of the more recent episodes. He's just like, I'm getting old. I just don't have time to listen to shit. Music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Oh, my God. And Mark, too, like, Mark, I love you, brother, but, like, he keeps thinking, like, we're being elitist, and it's like, Mark, I'm not telling, like, if someone says they like Extreme, I'm cool with it, man. Like, to me, an elitist is someone that's going to tell you, like, you're wrong for liking Extreme. You shouldn't like them. You know, I'm just saying, like, hey, you like them, that's cool, but they fucking suck, you know?
1: Yeah, I, it's like, to me, it, it's not really any different than saying you like the Spin Doctors or, you know, or, like, Toad the to Wet Sprocket, you know? It's yeah. just like, like, you can like them, but be, be prepared. Like, just, like, understand that you're liking a group that most people think sucks and just have a sense of humor about it. Like, yeah. saying, yeah, I fucking like it. And, and I think Mark Taylor... Up, more or less. He knows. He laughs at all. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's just like, yeah, if you're going to listen to a band that a lot of people suck, and you'll, and even, and of course you can love it, but just, you know, just, just have a sense of humor about it and just be prepared yeah. that a lot of people are going to make fun of you. You know, <laughs> that's a. Or yes. like, hey, when you, Mr. Fucking Calder Coulter says, oh, oh. You Shook Me All Night Long is a bad song. Like, Oh, you're not, man. Like, you have got I, to be prepared that people are going to say, oh, no, that's not a bad song. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you just got And I know fast. I'm in the minority with that, and that's one of those things, man. It's like I, like most people always ask me, like, oh, are you just burnt out on it? It's like, no, it's just like I just, ne- something about that song I just never liked. It always just kind of, I don't know. It just rubs me the wrong way, like but, that.
1: But you like, like, get it hot or let's get it up because they're very similar.
0: Those. You two know, songs. I like let's get it up. I love that song. I don't know. It's not about you shook me all night long. It's like the, just the like the chorus, like the guitar parts. It's not about just like, mm. ugh. It just like. Did you bugs see the video? Me. Did you see the? I saw the video. And it used to. Oh, the video too. Like man. But that uh, video. Melmania. Awesome. Melomania used to play it all the time, and I'd just be like, oh, like, it's like, can you play another ACDC song? Because I, like I said, man, I just never liked that song. That I always hated it. That
1: chick is so hot.
0: Man. Oh, she is, man, but it's like, <laughs> god damn, like, I've never seen her in another ACDC video for a different song. Oh, well, yeah. The only thing I don't like about the
1: video is that Simon Wright <laughs> hit it instead of Phil Rudd, because I'm yeah. <laughs> doing the Who Hey, Made at least Who it's not era. the bald
0: guy. Yeah, oh, oh, oh yeah, I definitely Where the fuck thoughts. he? Will... I hate that guy. He just kind of pisses me off. Chris Slade. Yeah, Yeah, Chris Slade. He just, like, I don't know. It's like, know your place, buddy. Yeah, well, that's not his fault.
1: The director of the Thunderstruck video, for whatever reason, decided to focus a lot on him. But I, I think because he was bald like, had a distinct look, I think the director thought, oh, this is, like, one of the iconic guys, I guess. Like, not knowing that he's just some dude from
0: the firm that just joined the band. Yeah, all <laughs> the firm, man. I hated that band. My dad loves them. Oh, I was like, talked. oh, it's Paul Rogers and Jimmy Page, man. It's, like, legendary. And I listen to it, I'm like, whoa i'm like oh, yeah, this is yeah i know fucking
1: horrible it's crazy because you know i love jimmy page he's my favorite. yeah
0: horse. and i love paul rogers so much and, man that, guy's and, got and that no thing voice. sucks
1: and i keep listening again and again and it's like only so, it's like one notch above extreme it's pretty bad <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's yeah it's dude it's pretty fucking bad man i just and i've tried man i tried going back to it maybe and like oh you know what? maybe i was just young and didn't get it but Oh, so like uh. it just gets worse every time. It's like how do these two guys not make good music together? Yeah. Although maybe it might be the Chris Slade factor, cuz you know, he
1: yeah. it is the worst ACDC dc album the so like one he's on. <laughs> so. oh, I agree, man.
0: I, I hate racers <laughs> Edge Chris
1: Slade might this, I don't know, somebody about Chris Slade, he shows yeah.
0: up. He had the drum kit and suddenly all the talent leaves the room. <laughs> oh, I remember in high school going to a football game with my friends, you know, cause we like to go to the football games and like just hang out and like, uh, you know, it was fun times and we, you know, check out some of the girls, you know. I remember like the football players, like you could see them like coming, cause like our football field was like underneath. It was like almost like underground kinda. So you see like the football players coming down this hill and like, oh, here comes the team. And I'll say here, dun Like you hear like Hell's Bells starting. I'm like, Ooh, fuck yeah. I'm like, well, wait for the team to come out. And you hear the dung, and right before like, the guitar riff starts, they cut it off and start playing Thunderstruck. Now I'm so pissed. I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's like yeah. you get a boner, and you have a girl in your you know, in your room, you start making love, and all of a sudden like your mom walks in and just totally kills the mood.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I saw a clip once of uh, the, the last uh, Black Sabbath tour. Mm-hmm. And they start off playing... And there's no bands Black Sabbath song that they played. And just for the record, I love Paranoid. It's a great song, obviously. Oh, amazing song. Burnout factor, but I do love that song. But but still, this was a kick in the dick for hardcore fans. Yeah. And Tony Homi starts playing the Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath riff. Like, you know, he's going into it. You think, oh, Ooh. cool, they're doing Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. And then he stops playing the riff and goes into Paranoid. Oh, I that's, hate that shit! Like play the whole fucking move. song. That's a dick move, man. Well, so you're pretty much just saying "fuck you, diehards." Hello, hello, casuals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like come <laughs> on. If you're not gonna actually play the song, don't don't play it at yeah, all. Yeah, don't tease us that, like that. That's Quit teasing, teasing
0: us. us. That's a, dick move. <laughs> that's, that's a dick move. That's a real dick move.
1: Dick move, Tony. I love yeah. you, but that's
0: a dick move. Don't don't if you, if you're not prepared to use that Sabbath bloody Sabbath riff. Don't take it out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh man, so we got some uh, some new new music to talk about as well, man. Uh, Oh, that new Megadeth song. Oh my god, fucking lord! Something about uh, when Dave Mustaine and Ice T get together, it just it's magic, dude. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, he only comes in, really, just for that rap in the middle. Yeah, I mean, some true. people
1: might not like that, but I don't know. Stop being racist, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I love like Ice-T, man. He fucking rules. He loves thrash and metal. He loved all that shit back Hell in the yeah. day. That's body count. And I love always, body count. Yeah, wow. Ice-T's cool. OG original gangster. Power. Some great hip-hop albums from the late 80s. And he's a real cool guy, like the Beastie Boys, he's one of the people in the late eighties, early nineties that help bridge the gap between hip hop and metal. Yeah. So it's totally you know, so it's a cool move in my opinion to have I see guest on uh the song. But you know, I see or no ice t that fucking rip, it's just so heavy. It's like Yeah, I mean this is the last song and it's fast and mean and Oh, and then it does all the different parts and it's just real gonzo and eccentric and it's like everything I love about fucking Megadeth
0: oh my god yeah it's this new album it's sounding like really amazing it's just sounding like real mean and aggressive kind of like how like old uh like the first three megadeth albums sound i don't think you'll ever have an album that sounds like those just because of production you know but i think like as far as like you know speed and like you know aggression oh i think you're totally getting it on this album i'm getting the cd version because i'm not i'm not buying it off itunes because I don't want that damn Sammy Hagar song I don't want Sammy Hagar getting my fucking money I don't no. want him getting my 20 cents I gotta say I'm curious I'm curious what that song is like uh, But yeah I, so like, so far he's two for two
1: That's all I can say yeah. And I like the second one even better I didn't see the video yet But the video is like apparently is either When the, that soldier dude becomes uh, Rick Rattlehead Yeah I need uh, to see uh, the video still The, I wasn't crazy about the first video, but knowing that it's part of this larger narrative, maybe they'll win me over. I don't know. I I thought it was a little generic and bland, and you know, that's one thing a lot of modern thrash videos have done going back to even like Metallica and Death Magnetic is they kind of just go for the easy soldiers fighting kind of thing. Yeah, I'm just not,
0: just a lot of music videos in general, except for like, uh, a lot of these New Wave or traditional heavy metal bands, they do great videos because they kind of stick with the old school like, they have a You've story. Got, it's a little cheesy, but you fun, get what I'm going know. at.
1: Like, like I kind of wish. Like, why won't you go pull out retro '80s Megadeth video? Like, I want to see fun stuff. I want to see Rick Rattlehead like in a spaceship shooting like druggy teenage headbangers like that are running yeah. away from it. But
0: instead, <laughs> you know, like just freaking playing inside a steel cage, like a WWF steel cage, yeah. like fans scaling it. I mean, yeah, that, like that he- head badass. Crusher.
1: Yeah, like the Head Crusher video. Well, and you know, just look at Overkill. If you can't do something conceptual, just look tough and be in a hangar somewhere. Yeah, you know that's the thing. You know, but I don't like these slick, like Black Hawk Down looking kind of videos that they do. So much. I know
0: it's just it. I don't know. It just doesn't do anything for me. It's just too yeah. bland. It's yeah. too
1: generic looking. Exactly. You know. It's so, but but. The music's not generic at all. music's been kicking ass, and that's what it's about. Yeah, and that's all that matters to me. Yeah, and I thought, music. yeah, I just listen. It was like early in the morning, and I'm listening to it on my phone. And normally, this, this is not the ideal way to listen to a new heavy metal song, you know? Especially yeah. <laughs> a thrash metal song on your phone in bed when you're waking up. But I was just too curious. Like, I couldn't wait. I was like, okay, because, you know, Megadeth's one of my favorite bands, so I was like, I got to listen to it. And it was kicking my ass. It was kicking my ass from my little phone speakers laying in bed after just waking up ten minutes before. I was like, God damn, this song kicks ass. Hell <laughs> I yeah. I can only imagine I, what it sounds like in big speakers. That's what I was thinking yeah. while I was listening to it. And then it does that cool little acoustic uh, thing at the end.
0: And yeah. It's, it's
1: a really awesome song.
0: You know, I just love it. I listened to it. Uh, I, I went, you know, I walked over to the maintenance shop for work and, you uh, you know, we, we usually sit down for a little bit, for like half an hour. You know, I will usually drink like a Red Bull or something to kind of wake me up or like just whatever. And then uh, I throw in some headphones. Austin usually goes and uh he does the pool check, you know, checks the chemicals and everything for the pool since it's summertime. And I go and do grounds, which is I just take like a bucket, trash picker, and I just walk around the property, pick up paint trash and whatnot. And I that's like, you know, I do that and I put in my headphones. And so I listen to that song and it... Totally kicked ass Just really got me In a good mood uh, But then unfortunately I went and listened To the other song That I wanted to talk about <laughs> The new Queensryche song Forest I did actually listen oh. to it Oh You, you didn't told listen me. To I it? didn't I didn't know Well you said it's not Like Silent Lucidity, Acidity So I was oh. just like Eh I don't need to listen to that <laughs> Oh my god Like I wish I didn't well, You're lucky You didn't have to <laughs> I think so For the record No one's never- been sharing it I mean I didn't even
1: know About the first song which I liked. The first uh, song's really good. Yeah. That one. Very Maiden-esque.
0: Kind of like what I wish Maiden sounded more like these days. Yeah, because it did sound like a Maiden song, yeah. like, like an old school Maiden song. But I did listen to that, but you, you put that under my
1: radar. Like, no one's really talking about the Green Strike. Right? I mean, to be fair, they're they're kind of up against
0: Ozzy and Megadeth, so yeah. Yeah, they're getting, like, overshadowed, but yeah. no, I, yeah, can't so
1: that. I didn't like it. It's, it's an acoustic ballad.
0: Yeah, Jesus Christ, I, and I listened to that whole fucking thing, and it just, it, uh, it really, I went from being, like, at the highest of highs, like, I listened to that Megadeth, like, feeling all pumped up, ready to go for the day, and that song just, like, kicked me into nads, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck this, because I, you know, for those that never listened to the, you know, when this show was the Mel Dungeon and listened to my Queensryche Empire review, Silent Lucy City is my most hated song of all time, I Hate that song more than fucking anything. I just I can't stand that fucking song. And like Mark Mark Daly and Mark Alan here always got to give me shit for it. Like, oh, you like "Bang Bang You" by Kiss better than "St. Louis City." I'm like, yes, give me that song any fucking day over "St. <laughs> Louis City." I, yeah. I, I, that song is like a hate crime against music. I can't stand that song. That oh god, I
1: don't like guys. I've said before about it. I don't hate that song like you do, but but. I ain't fight. I'm not gonna fight you on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's oh not. my god, but like, you know, know, I, I get why it's popular. I listen to it and go, like, yeah, I
0: get I get why it's popular, but it's just, it's not really for me. Baby, baby. Oh god, I hate That's that. Bad. Like, I don't you know what's sad? Chris DeGarmo, like, flies planes now. Who the fuck would let that man operate a fucking plane or, like, a motor vehicle after writing that song? He clearly is not right in the head. <laughs>
1: It, it, it reminds me a little, like, people say it's kind of Pink Floyd,
0: but it's a little more like David Gilmore
1: era Pink Floyd, oh, you God know. Oh, goddammit,
0: Gilmour for defamation of character. <laughs> God, it's a damn. little like
1: Pink Fraud,
0: you know. It's got oh, a little that vibe. It's very slick, you know. I'd rather um, listen to Momentary Lapse in Reason than Silent Lucidity. But you
1: apparently would rather listen to Every song.
0: Every song. Every all I song. Want for Christmas by Mariah Carey, and I hate that song, but man, I'll listen to that any day Isn't over in City. The Celine Dion
1: Titanic song?
0: Oh, yes. Uh, actually, that, that song's kind of a guilty pleasure of mine. I, I dig <laughs> it. I like it when they start doing those YouTube videos. Where they're like, oh, that song makes any moment epic, and they have all these movie scenes or what a, sports what, moments. What about Aerosmith's Pink? Oh, yes, I'll listen to Pink any fucking day over 76. Wow. Okay, wait, wait, it's, hold on. I'll, I'll go that's not a good form. song. I'm not saying that's a good <laughs> song, but I'm just saying, like, I'll listen to, like, if you got a gun to my head and you're like, you need to listen to one, you need to listen to one or you'll die, I'm like, just play Pink.
1: What about, uh, uh, ooh, uh I'm trying to think what could be worse. Oh, uh, this is tough. What about, uh, what if, what would be, what if Sammy Hagar did a cover of oh, Silent Loose City.
0: I think the world would ex- I think the world, <laughs> like, the world would get nuked. I think all the superpowers in the world would nuke this entire planet. They'd be like, we can't do this. Like, that's like, that's bad. Like, you got Sammy Hagar and Silent Loose City. That's like a deadly combination. That's like mixing Bleach and Windex together. Oh, well, like, imagine! What it. if it was a duet with Gary Scherrone? Oh! Sammy and Schroen. Gary. It has even worse uh, Gary Sharon <laughs> dancing during it And he does interpretive dance during the song Oh god Don't <laughs> give him ideas <laughs> You know that we City is such a bad song I'm surprised like Extreme or Trickster like never fucking wrote it <laughs> like, My god that, that's a bad song you know, you, you know it's, And that's Queensryche Queensryche was It's like You're better than that Let uh-huh. the shitty bands write those songs Yeah but it just ended up being their biggest hit <laughs> All uh, right, to off. me, the worst scenario in life would be is if I was stranded on a desert island, and like the only there was like a raft there, and that was the only way to get off this island and back to <laughs> civilization. The thing was the raft; it only works. It's like connected to like a CD player, <laughs> and the only way the engine works is if Silent Lucidity plays. And that's like when Silent Lucidity plays, that's when your motor starts like running, yeah. and like you move the raft. But the CD, like the button on the CD player is broken, so you can't even just like skip tracks. So then you gotta listen to the entire Empire album, which is just as bad. So, like, you gotta listen to the entire Empire album. And the only time you're moving is when St. is playing, but even then it's horrible because, like, god damn, how many more times do I gotta hear this? Okay, okay.
1: So, uh, um, wh- what else do you want to, uh, talk about news wise?
0: Oh, Before man. Jump into um, the I mean, there's that, uh, well, I guess we can end with, uh, and I'll play the song in the background to get get her some uh, exposure. Uh, did you hear the new Animals song, She's All Alone Now? No, I have not. Oh, so. God, you haven't heard it yet? No. Oh, I've... man, so, uh, you know, An- Animals, uh, that rocker chick, you know, on Instagram and stuff. She she finally has a song, man, dude. It looks oh, cool. yeah, that's,
1: that's good. right, that's right. You you mentioned that, but yeah, yeah. I
0: think I mentioned it to you and Mick before we did the rat episode. Is it like it's got kind of a Joan Jett kind of vibe. Uh, not really like a Joan Jett. I'd say it's more of like a like a uh, Vixen kind of sound, which I, I like some Vixen, man. I think okay. they write some pretty catchy songs. Uh, so more, more like, like late voice. late eighties glam metal kind of. Yeah, kind of. like a female female led like glam. Vocal sound, and she kind of sounds like, uh, you know, we we're talking about Queensrÿche, the the girl that does the singing voice for Sweet, uh, for Sister Mary. She sounds yeah. kind of like that that singer. Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, send me it's a link. It's pretty I'll, damn I'll check good, man, and I recommend everyone check it out. It's, uh, it's a pretty catchy little song. If you like some eighty some uh, good old poppy like eighties hair metal, you'll love it.
1: Cool, cool. So, alright, so you want to jump into this? Uh, jump yeah. into the Beastie Boys, and I'm so happy that we're doing this. I, you know, Me too, and, yeah. And I, it sounded like I kind of, like, obviously you had an awareness of the Beastie Boys, in the assuming, yeah. and knew their hits, but it sounds like you didn't really ever do a deep dive until I suggested doing this, is that correct?
0: Yeah. That's true. I, I guess I'll talk about, it since my history's probably not as long as yours, I guess I'll yeah. talk about my history with the Beastie Boys. Uh, but yeah, you, you brought up doing this album, uh, and this one of the, suggest- when we did a Kiss episode, and I was pointing around the idea of you and I, like, doing some episodes where it's just you and me, you were talking about doing a double album, I think this one of the ones that came up, I was like, eh, I need a little bit more time to research it, um, but yeah, Beastie Boys, man, I, I've always been familiar with them, um, but it was, uh, I was, I forget how old I was, I think I was, like, in middle school, when, uh, you know, I was listening to some Sabotage at the time, and, like, I had this, uh, you know, this is, like, a small private school. As I said, I went to a private school for my middle school years, and there's this really hot, like, science teacher. I mean, she wasn't really, like, the hottest, but, like, you know, it's a small school, so, like, it's just, you know, she was hot by, you know, you know, she was just the hottest one there in that group. Um, so I was kind of, like, hitting on her, you know. I feel bad for some of the teachers I hit on as a kid. I probably made them feel so uncomfortable. It's uh, all
1: right. But that, that the the po- power dynamic was in their favor, so... Exactly. It's
0: kind of yeah. the reverse of sexual harassment when you think... It of actually, it. yeah, it is. Yeah, if you think about it. Yeah. But anyway, I'm, like, rapping to this teacher. I'm, like, you know, talking to her, and I'm like, yeah, you know, you ever listen to a band called Sabotage? <laughs> and, like, she, you know, she misunderstood me, and she's like, oh, yeah, Sabotage. And I'm like, wait, what? No, it's Sabotage with a V. And she's like, no, Sabotage, that's the name of the song. And she's like, Beastie Boys. I'm like, oh... I'm like, okay, and um, I didn't think much of it, and uh, I didn't know much about the Beastie Boys. I knew wait, 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 hold
1: on, stop, 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 I just, this is crazy. Wait, you knew about the band Sabotage, with a V, you knew about that before you heard the Beastie Boys song, Sabotage?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I knew, I knew about the Beastie Boys, I heard that name, but I never, like, had heard, well, I probably did hear some of their songs, but I didn't know it was them.
1: If you're the young guy on the show.
0: It's yeah, <laughs> like I said, man, I was the weird kid, man. I was always into like older stuff. Yeah, um, stuff. But, but anyway, um, my dad had a bunch of these like compilation CDs, uh, you know, Masters of Metal and whatnot. And yeah. one of them, for whatever reason, I mean, I guess you could include it on there. One of them had a The Beastie Boys song. I think it was either Fight for Your Right to Party or No Sleep Till Brooklyn, because those are kind of like you know crossover, like you know, hard rock like rap songs. Well, yeah, I it's to it.
1: King does the Yeah, because Cary
0: King does the solo on No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Yeah. And uh, I listened to it, and I thought, man, that's actually pretty cool, but never got around to looking into them more. And uh, I think I saw the video for No Sleep Till uh, No Sleep Till Brooklyn. I saw Carrie King on there, and I'm, like, all in the slayer, so I'm like, fuck yeah. And they also have a song on Rock Band. And like everything I heard by the Beastie Boys, I dug it cuz I'm like, okay, they're like rap, but they're also kind of like rock, you know. So that's kind of cool, but just never got into like deep diving into them until you brought up this episode. I'm like, well, it's a perfect opportunity for me to listen to them. And yeah, I I heard this album. It's a it's a very long one, so it took me I really need like, you know, dig deep into it. I need to give it a lot more listens cuz some of the songs didn't grab me right away. Uh, as time went on, a lot of them did grab me. And then I also went and looked at, uh, the two albums that came before it. Uh, you know, License to Ill and, uh, crap, what was the other one? Paul's Boutique. Paul's Boutique. Now that one I couldn't get into as much. I know that one kinda was like a bomb for them. Like, you know, I think now people like it more, but I think that one was like (laughs) a bomb. But man, License to Ill was phenomenal.
1: It's kind of an understatement. Uh, it's that Paul's Boutique is considered one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time. Now, it wasn't then, but yeah. more than just people like it. It's got a uh, well. We'll get into it when
0: I, I talk. That's another one. one I think like I need to listen to more. But man, License to Ill though that one was well, amazing. I get that one a lot. Paul's Paul's Boutique has the least amount of a
1: rock element, so it doesn't surprise me that that's the one. With the exception of one song, there's really nothing yeah. rock element about, you know, there's no rock element to that, so it doesn't surprise me that you wouldn't like that as much, whereas uh, License Ill, of course, Rick Rubin was a big rock guy, and, you know, half the songs have classic rock, you know, heavy metal samples, and Yeah,
0: well, the so first I one can... starts off like, uh, I think it's like Moby Dick and Sweet Leaf. Yeah, the Levy breaks with Sweet Leaf. Yeah, that's what yeah. it is.
1: Yeah, so, you know, someone had to do that, you know, and yeah, and Rick Rubin was the guy who did that. So yeah, and yeah, and the oceans, a sample in it, and they, they do a lot of Zeppelin and Sabbath, and yeah, so, I mean, it doesn't, it just, the attitude is very 80s kind of metal, even though it's a rap album, it has that, which also, I know you like Run DMC a lot, who I love them, were likewise produced by Rick Rubin, and like, they were both on Def Jam, and they both had kind of a, a 80s metal, mix, you know, rock
0: aesthetic mixed with the hip-hop. Yeah. You know, which is why I thought both
1: those groups crossed over,
0: you know. I think there's a story about the Beastie Boys joined Run DMC on stage at a show once with Aerosmith and they pl- they picked up, like, instruments and played Walk This Way with them. Yeah. And that's the one thing, too, about the Beastie Boys that I, I really liked was the fact that these guys play instruments and it's not like, you know, like, uh, uh what's that guy's name, Lil Wayne, where he he learns, like, three chords on a guitar. Like, no, these guys actually can play fucking instruments yeah. and write music. Because they started as a hardcore, like, punk band before they went into rap. Yeah, yeah. And they,
1: they couldn't really play too well. I mean, if you've ever listened to their early hardcore stuff, it's pretty bad. It's not that good. Oh yeah, but, <laughs> but uh, they, they got like, better over time. No. Oh, they definitely got better. They they essentially really learned on this album. Check Check Your Head is like the ultimate on the job training album. And uh, is there? Did you listen to the two albums
0: afterwards? Which one? Uh, Ill Communication and Hello Nasty. Uh, those ones I didn't get around to yet, but I didn't want like I, I didn't want overload myself. Well, so ill communication. I with, like... I wanted to hear the first two yeah. to hear, like, how they got from where they started to, like, to this album. Yeah,
1: and it's a pretty big jump. I mean, the evolution, yeah, when you hear yeah. it. It's like, it's weird to think of Check Your Head as just their third album. It's yeah. It's such an evolution from the first album. But, yeah, Ill Communication is essentially, like, kind of like Check Your Head Part 2, where they just kind of perfect the style. In a lot of ways, people say, you know, like how Rubber, Soul, and Revolver are kind of, like, kind of similar. I mean, yeah. one's just a kind of evolution from the other. Uh, Ill Communication is kind of like that. It's like... It's like the a, sister album. Yeah, if you like Check Your Head, you would like Ill Communication. And then Hello the Nasty is kind of the album that kind of combines it all. It's like kind of... like the four albums kind of all mixed together, taken to yet another level, kind of sonically. So, yeah, you definitely should check out those two. I don't think you'd need to really get into the 2000 stuff. Uh, the last two albums... But you definitely should listen to Ill Communication and Hello and in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely going to be checking it out after, after yeah. this review's done. Yeah, uh, so um, my history of the Beastie Boys, yeah. I,
1: I initially, like in junior high, they, I guess in elementary school, I was like in elementary school when... Um, License Hill was out. Damn. Yeah, and... But my brother didn't listen to them. I didn't know... I think he had a friend that listened to them. I knew he had a friend. He did listen to Run DMC. I would hear Run... My brother's mainly a metal guy. But yeah. But Run DMC had that crossover appeal. So he did play a little of that. He played a little L, L- Cool J, who was also produced by Rick Rubin in the early days mm-hmm. and on Def Jam, who I was a fan of. And he would play some of that. A little C- C- uh, Cool Moe D he would play sometimes. But... He never really played the Beastie Boys. I, I knew that video, you know, fight for your right. But I got to tell you, you know, by the time I got into junior high, the Beastie Boys were kind And this is one of the reasons why Paul's boutique bombed, was even though License to Ill was... It's one of those albums that was like really, really popular the year it came out. But yeah. within years they kind of seemed like a novelty actor joke. A little was like, like a, a backlash, but, almost. There was a little bit of a backlash. No one really took them seriously. And I got under... Like, I was in junior high, and I thought this way, so I can only imagine what older kids, you know, thought. But I kind of thought of them as kind of a white boy, second-rate run DMC kind of yeah. frat boy joke. Like, I kind of yeah. thought, remember the Jerky Boys... Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of thought of them as, like, the Jerky Boys rap, you know, and they even had a similar name, Easty Boys, Jerky Boys. Yeah.
0: So I and if you watch those early videos, they're, they're almost, like, very comedic, like, they... Yeah. Yeah. They're
1: very comedic, and now you watch them and it's a lot of fun, but at the time, I just kind of thought they were kind of a novelty, you know, they weren't the best rappers in the world, not in license ill, Ill anyway, and so I just kind of thought of them as, as a little bit of a joke, and I didn't take them seriously. It was around, I guess this probably would have been late 89 or early 90. I was watching, I was just starting to get into some hip-hop because I got into Public Enemy's Fear of a Black Planet. I got really into that album, and that kind of opened the door for me. And also around that same time, LL Cool J had uh, Mama Said Knock you Out. I got into both those yeah. things So I kind of My mind started to open up To hip hop And I also had The Lesson Zero soundtrack Which had uh, Public Enemy's uh, Bring the Noise The original version Yeah on well, The, anthra- the one no, not- Anthrax No the original one. Ooh, okay so, yeah, and But you know Shortly after You know Anthrax You know you know Did it with them But around that But I got into that song Before the Anthrax version So I was just starting To get into Public Enemy And LL Cool J And I was kind of Opening my mind up To hip hop and I, so I started watching along with 120 minutes and Headbangers Ball. I would sometimes watch EOMTV TV Raps. So I started to watch EOMTV TV Raps, and I was getting into some hip hop. You know, a, a year later, I got very into a Tribe Called Quest, and I was getting into a lot of hip hop at the same time. Around this time, I was starting to, and I saw it was like the la- one of the last singles from the Paul's Boutique album, with a song called Chad Rock. It was a really cool video. It was a live video, but the someone like paint it over it so i don't mean, know if you've ever seen this technique done they used to do it a lot in the 60s and 70s where an artist comes in like frame by frame and actually paints over the film uh,
0: rotoscoping
1: yeah is that the name Well, i guess you know more than yeah the, they,
0: yeah i as i remember they did that for the what was that movie heavy metal yeah or they the, like the opening scene where the guy in the the car is like falling from space yeah, so yeah, yeah so it's a, so it's a real thing but they're painting over it. So they did the whole video like
1: this. And so the video was very striking and the song was very deep and funky and kinda had a sound that was kinda similar to Fear of a Black Planet and Mama Said Knock You Out. Like it was real deep funky and this is kinda was my introduction in a funk. I wasn't listening to James Brown and and stuff like that, a little Prince, like the Batman, you know, I got into Prince of the Batman soundtrack.
0: (laughs) That's a good soundtrack, I love that soundtrack.
1: Yeah, I love it too, and it was my gateway, so like, that, and that's around this period as well, that's 89. So I was starting to kind of, in addition to hard rock, and I was listening to the thrash for the first time, and getting into metallic and stuff, I was starting to get into funky stuff too, especially if it was like hard, funky stuff, to me that was like the... The flip side of the heaviness, like, like what I, what funk is, I, what heavy is for rock, funk is to like R&B and rap. If you know what I mean? It's like where something has this kind of edge, makes you bob your head, you just get into it. So this Make your song- hole
0: pucker. <laughs> Yeah,
1: this song was really, really funky, I liked it, but! I didn't run it. Like a lot of people, it didn't make me run out and get Paul's Fatigue. Now, the only reason I didn't was I thought I was still a little hesitant about the Beastie Boys. I was like, "Uh, I don't know, they're kind of like, maybe they just got lucky with this song. You Mm -hmm. know those guys that did Fight for Your Right? Nah, nah. I'm not going to buy one of their albums. Like, that's what I thought. And so, so I just kind of let it go. Like, I thought like, oh, they got lucky with one song and just didn't think about it. And then I was watching like a Two years later, 1992, I saw the premiere of the first single from this album, Pass the Mic, on Yo! Yo MTV Raps again. And I liked it again. I thought it was cool. It just a straight-up video That's them performing, you know, rapping, you know, no-nonsense. And it was a really cool song, and I really liked it. It was hard. But yet, i was still a little resistant. This album was a slow burn for me. I did eventually buy it in 1992. But I had to go through a lot of awesome singles before I finally gave in. So <laughs> uh, past the mic, I was like, "This is pretty good," but I don't know if I want to be a guy. Who buys the Beastie Boys, uh, and then and then so what you want came out the second single, and that blew up. That was like a buzz clip, and that kind of was their comeback. Uh, if you were around at the time, and they had the video, it's kind of like Chair of Rock. It was a very 19. 92 93 kind of video where they're just yeah. in the, they're just in the woods you know it's very grungy <laughs> even though it's hip-hop there's a rock element with the guitar lines and stuff and they're wearing ski caps and they're out in the woods so it was kind of a grunge video even though it was a hip-hop song yeah and, and that one i really loved too and every and i thought that's pretty good and i made a mental note i said you know i might buy this one i might buy this album but i didn't run out that week and get it i just made it kind of a mental note And I think there was a lot of music out at that time. You know, a lot of shit was going down to 92. So, but I was making a mental note of it. Finally, now this wasn't on TV Raps. This would have been on uh, probably 120 minutes. Gratitude, finally. Which I thought was the third single, but according to this, it was the (laughs) fourth single. But I saw the video for Gratitude. That was a full-out, like, rock song. And I heard it and saw the video and what... Oh, get out. This is fucking awesome. I love this. What am I doing? Why am I sitting on my ass and not buying this album where I loved, <laughs> now I love the third song I've heard from it and it's the best one yet. So it had a fat bass line I loved. I was just like, Oh, forget about this. So the next day, the next day I went to We Three Records in the Oxford Valley Mall in Pennsylvania and I bought on cassette, check your head. I brought it back home and like, instantly, they became one of my favorite bands. After I listened to this album, I got totally lost in this album. In 1992, this album, it was like everything I was getting into in one album. It's like, yeah. they, they did it all. Like, you make <laughs> the great analogy of the White Album. It's like the White Album, more like a mixtape. It's that mixtape aesthetic where you're just some cool guy that has eclectic music taste and they like a lot of cool shit and you throw it all into the fucking stew. And I didn't even realize... I knew they were playing instruments on some songs, but I didn't realize it was on mostly everything, including most of the hip-hop songs that they were basing the tracks on. I didn't learn that until later. But I just knew I loved it and I... Became a huge Beastie Boys fan. Like, I, I, you know, I got a poster of the, theirs in my room. I, I got, I had a VHS tape of, um, the, the skills that pay the bills, I think is actually what's the name of it, which had a lot of videos from this period and some live clips. They used to open the shows at that tour of gratitude. It was a great live version. And, you know, I went out and I got Paul's boutique, which at that point Paul's boutique had started to get a little bit of a cult following, yeah, um, especially amongst the diehard fans. It it wasn't a cross-the-board hip-hop classic yet, but Beastie Boy fans were talking it up. It was starting to be, and the Beastie Boy fan base at that point was largely alternative rock fans at that period. Yeah, they kind of, you know, they kind of shifted. They kind of their fan base changed somewhere. You know, between the late '80s and early '90s, and with this album largely. So I knew a yeah, lot.
0: Of- it's, it's definitely two different bands. If you listen to, the, watch the videos, listen to the music for "License to Ill" and then this, it's like co- two completely different bands almost.
1: I knew a lot of skaters. A lot of skaters loved the Beastie Boys. Oh, yeah. And one of their videos uh, that they did for one of the songs on this album, uh, Time for Living, featured a lot of skateboarders in the video and stuff like that. So I, I knew, like, a lot of punk rock and skaters and hardcore fans like the Beasties at this point. And, but they were, like, one of those bands that just crossed over to a lot of people. You know, people that liked rap, people that liked metal, people that liked rock, punk, eternity rock. They, in a lot of ways, are the ultimate early 90s band because they, kind of everyone liked the Beastie Boys, you know, and because of this album, but Paul's Boutique, the rep of Paul's Boutique started to grow a little bit, and I bought that album, I loved it, at the time I didn't love it as much as Check Your Head, but I gotta tell you now, it's my favorite Beastie Boys album, Paul's Boutique's my favorite one, I love that album, and I think it's a masterpiece, and I'll talk a little bit about it when we get into this album because Well, hell! I'll just talk about it now. But is Paul's Boutique is essentially with the Dust Brothers produced it, who would go on to produce the albums of Beck, and they pretty much created the template for kind of what the Beasties would then go on and do on their own, playing their own instruments. Like whereas Paul's Boutique is all samples, with the exception of one song, um, "Looking Down the Barrel of a Gun." Which is the one song that's kind of a crossover heavy metal song, which has MCA and Adrock playing the guitar and bass on it. Mm-hmm. But everything else is all samples. And it's like crazy samples. Like they sample like Sgt. Pepper and. and <laughs> one saw Eggman samples uh, Superfly with Jaws and Psycho and dance <laughs> to the music all in like, one song. So yeah. it's like they, like, they would never be able to make an album like that now because Sam, because they wouldn't have the rights to all the songs. But this was before they started to crack down on that stuff. And so... But this is also when they weren't lazy with the samples. It wasn't like in a couple years later where, you know, Dr. Dre would just essentially take a P-Funk song and then him and Snoop would just rap over it. Like, yeah. They, it, it, yeah.
0: Oh, that's one thing that always drove me nuts about, like, rap music. I know, like, uh... A lot of rappers do that, and like Puff Daddy did that a lot. He did, he
1: really yeah. took uh, that to the next level.
0: Like it like, was just which, the same chorus, even like at least, yeah. Uh, yeah like they just did the song.
1: Yeah, lazy, very, very lazy. Whereas it, Paul's Boutique, like Public Enemy, they were creating a mosaic, like a collage. They were doing something different with these old songs and creating new hooks on top of it, and even the things that they rapped. And I do think Paul's Boutique is the Beastie Boys' peak as rappers. Like their rapping skills. On such a hot, bet higher level than they were on the first album. You could, just the ways that they uh, are trading off and telling stories. So you you got to listen to that album also just from a lyrical standpoint. This funny, the, the humor, the, the 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 almost cinematic storytelling that's on Paul's Boutique, It's like it's masterful. It's a it's an MC tour de force and a sampling Tour de Force. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the great hip-hop albums.
0: We gotta, but, like I said, i got to give it another chance. Because uh, I, I didn't want to spend too much time on those albums. I wanted to mainly focus yeah. on this one, but I wanted to get a taste. And I, I've heard a lot of people say it's like a grower album as well.
1: Yeah, it's a it thing too. What the, To the Beasties' credit, it, they listened to that and they thought, well, we got what the Dust Brothers are doing, and it, it's kind of creating their kind of I guess you could say thrift store kind of 70's aesthetic a lot also I also compare um, Beastie Boys to Tarantino Hmm. in the sense that they grab a lot of stuff from the past they put it together and they kind of make it new you know and and like Beastie Boys and like Quentin Tarantino they're like children of the 70's so obviously they're formative years and there's a lot of pop culture references to the 70's and and that's the vibe that they like and they do but they do it in a kind of Gen X kind of way it's like if Quentin Tarantino's taking the '70s and putting it in this Gen X blender, that's exactly what the Beastie Boys are doing, and that's what they did. If, uh, check your head, and it's like so. They look, so they kind of paid attention to the technique of the Dust Brothers and kind of, kind of copped it a bit, and said, "Let's do that, but let's actually play our instruments instead of like sampling, instead of sampling like old Curtis, you know, Mayfield and Funkadelic songs and layering it stuff. Why don't we actually?" learn our instruments good enough because at that point they'd only played hardcore punk rock but they figured how about we actually like practice on our instruments for a few months learn to do some funky pretty basic funky jams like you know James Brown kind of stuff do some Mm -hmm. funky stuff and then we'll sample that shit we'll sample Mike D doing a drum break we'll sample you know MCA doing a doo 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 like on the bass and the little guitar sound from Ad-Rock and Money Mark who came in their buddy who did the keyboards and we'll sample our jams, and we'll just that those will be the things that we build our songs on. And while they were doing that, they started to get really good on their instruments to the point where there were some songs like "Gratitude" and uh, you know, light you know, uh, you know, um, what's the other? What uh, "Lighting Up" and. Um, and something's got to give, and they, and then they have the, the, the just the jam songs, the instrumentals on the second side. They started to get to a point where they just had songs where they were just playing their instruments straight up. So most of this album is either them sampling their instruments, like little fragments of jams, and turning them into hip hop songs, or just full out just playing a song and like singing or rapping over it. And it's really amazing when you realize that. They, this is really the first time that they really played their instruments in any capacity besides just really rudimentary hardcore punk rock. you know, so it's pretty impressive. And on top of it, you know they hooked up with their buddy, Maro C, who was the producer, and they crafted an album that was similar to Paul's boutique, but raw and more of a punk aesthetic and kind of changed music as we know it it's like one of the most important albums of the 90s in my opinion and it's a very important album in my life it, it it affected the way i even i played music you know the bands i was in suddenly i got this idea i was like hey if the beastie boys can play funk why can't i like before that i only played rock you know in my like you know uh, junior high and high school bands i only played rock music But after listening to the Beastie Boys, I started thinking, you know, I could play funk too. And, you know, I, and I, I learned to play and I got funkier on my bass. And, you know, it just, it opened my mind to a lot of stuff. And I started wanting to have more funk. And by the time I was like in my early twenties, I, by that point, because of the Beastie Boys, I'd already got, I'd gone into Miles Davis and James Brown and P-Funk. And so the Beastie Boys, they were definitely a gateway. They were a gateway to a lot of different kinds of music. And it's definitely, it's a seminal album in my musical education. So it was like having hip older brothers come in and kind of school you on all this different music that's out there, when all you were listening to before was pretty much just heavy metal and hard rock and a little bit of hip hop. And the Beastie Boys totally opened my mind to all this different shit going on and you know i was suddenly i was late on buying check your head but i was not late like on ill communication i was like first day buyer on that album and sabotage and of course they their career went up to what you know went to another level with that song and that video which is a classic and hello nasty and intergalactic and in the late 90s you know i was just I've always been a Beastie Boys fan from that point on. And even if I don't think their last two albums in the 2000s were as strong as their 90s material or 80s stuff even, I, you know, they're not bad. Beastie Boys never released anything bad in my opinion. And they're they're in a, they're an American institution. The only thing, my only problem with the Beastie Boys, I wish they recorded more, you know. They weren't the most prolific band. That's the only thing, my only slight against them. But when they put out something, it was a high quality. And this album is my second favorite PC Boys album. And I, I went with this instead of Paul's Fatigue, because Paul's Fatigue is really a hip-hop album, just purely. Yeah. Where this is more of a rock crossover album, so I thought it fit our show a little bit better. And I just thought it would be a little more interesting to talk about. And I thought you would, rightfully so, that you would dig this album a little bit more. So that's yeah. why I went with so that's that's my history at the Beastie Boys and with this amazing album.
0: Nice. So yeah, I I guess I'll take away the I'll start with the first song, Jimmy James, which uh, amazing little Hendrix tribute. Took me a little bit. Took me a couple listens to realize like like oh it's like it's about Hendrix, you know, and it's got some Hendrix samples in there really great song I love the fact too that they use the whole Cheap Trick sample of the gang with like the this is our new song off our next album uh, I love that you know I, the first said, song
1: uh, our first song on our new album yeah. which which is from Budokan of course and that was what they said before um um uh, what uh, Surrender
0: Yep, yeah, and freaking <laughs> I, I love that too man uh they put like a lot like different samples from like some hard rock stuff and even some Mel stuff uh that I just absolutely love. And uh, it's like you said, they know how to use samples the right way. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, like, it's not like P. Diddy who, it's like listening to uh, David Bowie's Let's Dance in the Car with your douchebag drunk friend talking the whole time. Yeah. Exactly. I had that happen before. I'm like trying to listen to like fucking some music in the car. And like my friends are all drunk and like we're trying to listen to music and my buddy's literally like doing a shitty freestyle rap They he was not good at. it like over the song to try and impress this girl and it was really just annoying to hell have for everyone. Oh, but uh horrible. this band this band knows how to do samples the right way. Um, I guess they originally asked the 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 state for Jimi Hendrix uh to use these samples and originally they like denied it and they went ahead and used like two of them anyway. Or like two that like they there's two of them that they did use and I guess when the song kinda became a hit uh, Hendrix's family—they're like, yeah, you, can, you know, you can use those samples, and they uh, so they changed it up on the single version, from what I hear. But man, just a great song, great way to start off the album. You know, this is like, you know, this is like for me, rap done right. You know, this is the kind of rap that like really, you know, gets me going. You know,
1: yeah, uh, yeah, two of the songs that they use samples from are um, "Still Raining," "Still Dreaming," and "Foxy Lady." Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's a tribute to Jimi Hendrix. It's also interesting because this is the song that's most sample-based, and it's interesting because it's the first song. Now, you know, it, it's for the most part it is built on samples, and DJ Hurricane, who was her DJ, does a lot of record scratching. That's another thing I want to say. That's also a lost art in hip hop. Which you heard a lot in the 80s and early 90s was, that's another thing that made it a new art form and more musical was that the DJ would be making sounds and playing records like an instrument, you know, with this yeah. DJ scratching. And you know, you got DJ Hurricane doing all these cool sound effects and they're, he, they're, they're pretty much treating a record like a guitar. They're doing like a solo. Like yeah. it's not just lazily Playing, it's not doing karaoke, bad karaoke, they're building songs, they're mixing things, they're mixing, they're turning, they're utilizing samples as a collage, and building different things over different breakbeats, and then on top of that, you got a DJ throwing in and doing crazy shit on the record and making noise, this, 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 was, this is music, you know, it's a form of music, and Jimmy Jams has it all, it, you know, it has the record scratching, it's got all these great layered samples, great rap. And it feels almost like this was essentially a transition from Paul's boutique. Like, okay, we're going to start you off with the song that's most heavily sampled, bass kind of like all the songs on um, Paul's boutique. But and it's a great song, you know. It's funky. I love the bass, and you know, it's a, it's a great way to start the party. Like you said, I love that it opens even before I knew that was Cheap Trick. You know, I knew this first. You know, I listened to Check Your he- Check, no Check Your Head way before I ever listened to Live at Budokan. So it it's funny because it wasn't until I, I when I listen finally listened like maybe I don't know 15 years later I listened to Live at Budokan for the first time. And when it came to that part, I was like, Oh, the fucking Beastie Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, similar uh, to, to the Ted Nugent one, which we'll get to later. Uh, I knew that first in the Beastie Boys. So, and when I heard that, I was like, oh, it's the fucking uh, Biz versus the Nuge. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> we'll get to that when we get to that. But, yeah, so this is great sample bass, awesome, classic Beastie Boys hip-hop song. Uh, uh, and I feel like the way it transitions, though, when it goes into the next song, Funky Boss, it's kind of like that's the transition song. Like that's bringing you from Paul's Boutique... To the new sound, which really begins with Funky Boss. Funky Boss is where, like, where it's them playing their instruments. They're creating their own '70s sounding kind of rock funk fusion. It's kind of like, um, it's like the you the ever There's a there's a funk instrumental band called the Meters from the mm-hmm. early '70s that they're very influenced by. Also, James Brown and the JBs. They did uh, some solo albums. The JBs just doing instrumentals. So oh, I think yeah. that they both were influenced by that. And just kind of black exploitation soundtrack music, and some stuff that Curtis Mayfield was doing. But also I hear a little, like, early uh, Deep Purple, too. You know, like, the the way that Deep Purple, the, the guitar and the organ, would just kind of come in with those hits, you know? da na Kind of funky sounding. So it kind of sounds like all that together. And it's the band playing. And, of course, throughout this album, they'll have, like, a little funny sample be inserted here and there or a record scratch like it always maintains a hip-hop aesthetic but most of this is the band playing most of the drum beats are provided by Mike D or sampled by little snippets of things he was doing and it's great it's a funky song it's kind of a confident second song like you know they're holding back a couple of the big songs and they're just like getting into the groove and you just bob your head the lyrics are funny It's just a minute and thirty-five seconds, but it's just a really great song. I love "Funky Boss." It's one of my favorite songs on the album. What do you think of "Funky Boss"?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a short little kind of interlude song. Uh, Lyrics are pretty funny. Um, you know, we've all had like a you know it's kind of. uh, I thought you were saying like "fucking boss," like (laughs) uh fucking boss." So I I kind of liked it, you know, for that because I was like, "Oh yeah, we've all had that dickhead boss before," but uh. Pretty good. the The chorus gets the the chorus by the second listen or like third listen like started to get kind of annoying for me, but it's really good though, and it's not like it's that long anyway. No, it's only a minute thirty five. Yeah. Seconds. <laughs> so yeah, the the chorus can get a little annoying at times for me personally, but I still like it, man, because it's you know. It's like a great transition, like, you know, we're going to ease you in with Jimmy James, like, this is kind of what you were used to, and then here we go, we're doing a little one-minute snippet of what's going to be on here, and leads into the next song. So, it's a pretty good transition, man, I like it.
1: Yeah, and then we get into the first single, Pass the Mic. Pass the Mic's probably, yeah, I'm looking at this, that's my second favorite song on the album. Alright. I love Pass the Mic. Uh, I still feel bad that I didn't run out and buy this album immediately after hearing it <laughs> because I should have because come on I knew I knew it was quality just right then and there I knew but I was still holding back a bit I wasn't ready to surrender but man I surrender many times over pass the mic great rapping mowing down MC's like a mowing the lawn yeah, you know, a lot a lot a lot of classic hip hop rhymes are Beastie Boy rhymes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 just and they have those hits. Like again, it's all b- based on samples of little snippets of things that they were jamming on. And then the, you'll have this really heavy kind of hardcore guitar sound that dan dan, dan. A little like what Rick Rubin was doing a little bit. Uh, but it's like you could tell like this is the ingenious of the Beastie Boys. It's like they themselves picked up on they worked with Rick Rubin, then they worked with the Dust Brothers and they kind of figured out some shit. And then they go with just their own crew, Mario C, you know, and not you know, to give credit, Mario C was the producer, but they co produced with him. But he yep. but they were the ones that worked with Rick Rubin. And in du- in the Dust Brothers, so I really feel like the Beasties brought a lot of that. And essentially, Ma- Mario C. was like the guy helping them realize it, you know? But they obviously were kind of taking it in. I would say the analogy would be like, imagine if the Beatles just did like one or two albums of George Martin. And like the first two albums were like, you know, like Revolver and Sgt. Pepper. And then they go off and start making albums like that on their own. Like you know what I mean? Like it's it's Mm -hmm. pretty impressive and they were still pretty young, you know, they're only in their like late twenties. And they they like taught themselves how to play their instruments better and learned how to make albums that two of the best producers of the late eighties were doing, you know? So it's it's very impressive. But yeah, Pass the Mic, it's like, it's a culmination of things they were learning from the last two producers they worked with, and it just has a badass sound, and to me it's like, it's it's hip-hop, but it's hip-hop with a kind of underground punk and rock aesthetic, you know, it has that rawness to it, and just the way the, the they sound. I don't think lyrically this is on the same level as Paul's Boutique, but... It's still great, the rapping's still great, and it's just about the sound, it's the sonics, it's the whole, it's the whole stew, man, it's the whole stew. It just yeah, sounds up. amazing. I love Pass the Mike. It just that. this is a great song, like, you know, if there's a metalhead that says he doesn't like hip hop, play him Pass the Mike, they can get into it. Even though this is a, a hip hop song, but it has that, just has that, you know, has that edge to it. It just has a rock edge to it. What do you think of Pass the Mike?
0: Oh, man, it's just a badass song. I mean, there's not much else I could say that you hadn't already said. Uh, I, I love the lyric, which uh, th- there's one lyric in this I really love, and I, I found out it was actually, like, a mistake. Like, uh like he just flubbed the lyric or whatever, and they just kept it in there. But I like, when it like, everyone's rapping like it's a commercial. Like, I love yeah. that lyric. I and, love that lyric, too. I, I love it, too, because it's, like, uh, it, it's kind of true nowadays, because I remember joking around with a friend of mine about, like, uh, rap music. Like, nowadays... You know, it's just like, man, rap music feels like a damn product placement, you know, like, oh, I've got my Reeboks on and, like, you know, my Versace shirt, like, you know, it's just, like, all, like, a product placement. It's, like, almost, like, kind of sellout-ish, so uh, Even though that lyric was just, like, a, a flub, it's kind of funny how, like, a uh, lyric that was a mistake is kind of almost true about, like, the music nowadays. Yeah, even uh, more
1: so now. That's... it. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, it is, uh, it's all very slick, you know, like a product. Yeah. And didn't they get sued like, didn't they get sued like, you know, have like a big lawsuit or something over this song for like a sample they used? Cause I know one of these songs, I think it was this one, they got like sued by someone for using a sample and like, Blew up into this big thing.
1: Uh, I, I know that there is a, a a sample of the Bad Brains on it. I don't think the Bad Brains would have sued them though, because they were friends. Uh, yeah, maybe it was, it was like
0: some R and like one of the old school R and B artists. I think I don't know. I, I read a little bit about it, but I, I think it was either this song or another one where like they got sued and it, like turned into like this big thing or whatever.
1: Yeah, you know that's it. It's
0: but hey, you know you got
1: sometimes you got you know uh, Picasso said good artists borrow great artists steal yep for real <laughs> and, yeah. and there's just so many crazy sound effects and that's the thing this is a song this has samples but it also has live instrumentation it's all a mix it's a big stew you know it's not like yeah. you're being lazy this ain't like MC Hammer with a Rick James you know
0: song yeah you know, that'd be like if we like for our podcast if we just like literally played an episode of the, like the Rock and Mel Combat podcast yeah. and like over it we're just like uh yeah, yeah. yo what's up you know it's That's, like, what what a lot of people do. No, they're, like... These guys are actually, like, making art with it. They're taking... They're, like, making something with it. Yep. And now we'll get to the next song. The song that made me finally give in and buy this
1: goddamn masterpiece. Gratitude. Now, Gratitude is the first full-fledged... They're just playing their instruments. No samples on this song. This is just a full-out... Well, I'll say this. I I consider this a, a rock song, a hard rock song, but... It does have a hip-hop groove. It's funky. It's kind of both hard-hitting and funky. And you know, you know me. You know I love when shit's both funky and, and <laughs> he- heavy at the same time. And this song is both funky and heavy at the same time. And, it, you know, it kind of, it's, in a lot of ways, I feel gratitude the ultimate Beastie Boys song. Because to me, like, Sabotage might be more famous, and that's a great song. But Sabotage is clearly a rock song. You know, it's a, it's a rock song on a hip-hop album, but it's a rock song. Whereas gratitude is really the song that kind of bridges everything together. It's just it's kind of funky, hard hitting and and it's like where AdRock's really belting it out. Again, it's kind of a little bit of a run through. You could see like they would build on this on sabotage. This is kinda of like the run through for it. You know, you got the more hard rocking song, they're playing their instruments on it, Ad screaming. So it has it has the elements, a lot of the elements that would be on sabotage. But, man, that bass line. Let me talk about MCA's bass playing now for a second. Oh, yeah.
0: You know, you know me, I'm a big bass I'm going to talk about it too, man. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, MCA, in my opinion, and they're, they're all talented. but MCA's the best musician in the band. I think his... Agreed. A, he's the musician that stands out the most. He really has a style as a bassist. He would be even more impressive on the next album because he starts playing upright acoustic bass. And that, let me tell you something, that's hard to play. I was an electric Really? And it's hard to it's hard to go from electric bass to upright bass. It's not like going from electric guitar to acoustic guitar. Uh, upright bass A, it's really, it's a real big instrument, you know. It's yeah. Like, right? You gotta handle it. It's like trying to fuck a, it's like trying to rape a bear. <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ. That's it's like, it's just a big thing, you're trying to hold it down. And then on I top hope of I hope I never have
0: to be in that situation in my it, life. <laughs> it's
1: like they're, the reverse of The reverend That movie of Leo DiCaprio, The the reverend. Oh, God,
0: yeah. the reverse. You're raping the bear. Oh, (laughs) it sounds like a really bad porno.
1: (laughs) It's up there, and there's no frets. So you don't, like, if you're a teenager and you need to see the frets to know where you're going, so there's no frets. It's a big fucking bear of an instrument. It's hard to play. And MCA's doing, like, playing jazz on this shit, and never went to school for it. It was just a kid that played Fucking hardcore punk when he was a teenager, and by '94 he's playing an upright bass. So that's amazing right there. And it doesn't surprise me though, because on this album he's the best musician. His bass line, and he's played my favorite bass of all time, the Rickenbacker. The Rickenbacker, Ooh. which Paul McCartney used, which Rick James used, which Lemmy used. And I don't know. But, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, Cliff Burton used it. Uh, it's great for distortion. And it wouldn't be surprised me if MCA was hip to Lemmy and Cliff Burton, because he's doing, especially Lemmy, it sounds kind of similar to his style, it, where especially when they do, like, the, the fast, harder songs, where he builds up, it's the distorted, the distorted, heavy-sounding bass, and that's a real Rickenbacker kind of sound. And it's a thick and badass sounding, and the whole song's based around this awesome bass hook. And... You know that that's all MCA. So you know, man props, R.I.P. MCA. He's a great bassist, and as a teenage fucking bass player, I fucking loved it. And you know, he was an inspiration to me as a bass player. And it's amazing stuff. But this whole song's great. Ad Rock belts it out. I like Money Mark's funky little organ. You know, at the end, and, you know, Mike D's got a great beat. It's a great song. I like the lyrics, you know, which are kind of actually uplifting, even though it's like a heavy kind of angry sounding song. If you actually listen to the lyrics, they're kind of uh, more inspirational. It's just great. It also had a really awesome video. Did you see the video for this?
0: Yeah, it's like the, they're basically doing a homage to the Live at Pompeii by Pink Floyd. Exactly. I loved it.
1: Yeah, when they played uh, Echoes. Yeah, it's that scene that they pretty much are emulating. Ad-Rock looked cool. He grew his hair out. He was wearing a beret. He looked badass. And it was a good look for them. And it's a great video. And it's my favorite song on the album. And it's my favorite Beastie Boys song, period. So there you go. That's everything I got to say about this masterpiece of a song, which I'm very curious to hear what you have to say about gratitude.
0: Uh, man, favorite track, favorite track off the album for me as well. Right this on. song fucking rules, man. And uh, dude, I, I I love MCA, man. Like all throughout this album, you're gonna be hear me talking about his bass. And I, I agree with you, man. Like uh, between the three of them, man, he's like my favorite musician in the band. His bass lines are just so memorable and like they always stand out. Just phenomenal. Um, I guess he had this bass line for the song. He had it written. And he had it for, like, a while, but, like, he just could not find the right song to, like, work with it. So he was singing on this bass line for the longest time until, you know, it was time to make this album, and he finally, you know, wrote, you know, they wrote this song, and it worked for it. Amazing baseline! I love, like, you know, love, like, the psychedelic, like, elements of it. It's got, like, the organ in there, so it's kind of, like, has that early 70s, late 60s kind of sound to it. Um, and the video was amazing, but... uh It's just, man, them putting out a song like this at that time just really proved themselves. Like you were saying, you, and I imagine everyone else thought the same thing. Like you you said, like uh, some people kind of viewed them as kind of a jokey band. Um, I I think this song, man, just really proved to like a lot of people probably that, wow, these guys can do more than just, you know, you know, rap over like samples. I mean, these guys are like musical fucking geniuses. Uh, which they are, man. I mean, they can just do it all. They can bust out like a killer rock song, playing their instruments. They can like mix together samples in like an artistic way. They can rap, you know. Just well, what can't they do, you know?
1: Yeah, and you know, you brought up like that. He sat on a baseline for a while. Now, this is a song definitely you should pay attention to on Post Paul's Boutique. It's one of the more popular songs on the album. It's "Looking Down the Barrel of a Gun," which starts off the second side. Yeah. Is, that song's the only song to feature their instruments uh, the, the drum beat's a, a sample But the it has Adrock playing a kind of heavy metal Almost sounds Danzig, Danzig-esque kind of guitar line But MCA's doing this really heavy distorted bass Sounds like on the Rickenbacker And it has this moment where... It breaks down at the end and it sounds a little like a foreshadowing of gratitude It goes dun, 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 it's like this little coda at the end and it's badass and I remember like when I for years when I listened to this album I used to think to myself because I obviously everything about that album was a sample and the BCs weren't playing on it. But I remember listening to this song going, damn, that, that sounds like MCA Is MCA actually playing bass On this song? Or I thought he started <laughs> with the next album But then I found out many years later That yeah, indeed, that was MCA MCA snuck in a bass line there On Paul's boutique And what you know, it was like the best bass line On the fucking album And, this, <laughs> and that's an that album where it's Still the classic bass lines played by, you know, from classic songs, from everywhere from the Beatles to, to Yes, they example, you know, uh, <laughs> Owner of a Lonely Heart, like, they sample some very famous bass lines, the bass line from, um, you know, a, you know, uh, the, you know uh, Superfly, oh, there's a lot of famous <laughs> bass line. and yet, MCA does the best bass line on the fucking album, <laughs> so yeah, he was amazing, and... Gratitude's one of the all-time great basslines. So glad that you love it. It's my favorite BC boy song. Amazing song. Yeah. So now we are getting to another. Again, they keep like changing up the game. Like you think, like you know where this album's going, and then you got lighting up. Lighting oh, up is totally that's a cool in, one. Yeah, this is kind of like their george harrison song you know it's, their, it's like it's their total like get high sit around kind of it's got that indian eastern vibe but it's you know n- no disrespect to george harrison it's better in any of his songs oh. <laughs> but, uh maybe i do like love you two actually the first one in fact, love,
0: yeah that song rules and uh, this is
1: like lo- this is closer to love you two than it is uh to within you without you which Oh, I that, that song it. rules <laughs> <laughs> but it has that edge that Love You Two has. Where it's it's just it's just cool. It's trippy. It's again them playing their instruments. It's just a let's get high. Let's you know get kind of trancey and tribal. Totally different vibe, but you know perfect. The sequencing on this album is amazing. It's like just the right groove after Gratitude. You know. I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite songs on the album. It was one of my favorites when I was a stoner teenager, <laughs> uh, because that's the I was a stoner as a teenager, and I would check your head was a great stoner album. That's the I did look, I did smoke up a lot with this album and lighting up, and also another song we'll get to later. Something's got to give. They were great songs to get high to. So yeah, actually, just thinking about lighting up makes me have memories of pot hanging pot smoke hanging in my green green painted room and my jim morrison poster and it just brings up it just brings back memories so what do you think of lighting up
0: oh man lighting up man just great song like you said this totally sounds like a great uh great song to like just smoke a bowl to man it's just i love it it's got like those cool like kind of tribal drums the beginning and like you hear like sounds like a girl moaning or something which you know it's pretty hot uh, but then they hit you out of nowhere with, like, that 60s sounding, like, organ and everything. It's just, yeah. it's so different, and, again, I mean, this this is, it's like the White Album of, like, you know, it's like the 90s equivalent of the White Album. It's just, there's so many songs that are just all over the place. It's like a smorgasbord of just, like, all this amazing, like, music. Uh, and then they, like, they have, like, the short little songs, you know, it's like a... You know, like, hey, this song's not really like a full song; it's not complete yet. But just throw it on there, make it like an interlude to the next song that has the same vibe as it. It's just, it's all over the place, but it just works. Yeah. And then it goes into this next song, "Finger Looking Good." Holy shit! What you this song is just so funky. It's like you're talking about, man, it's like a real funky album. It's got that 70s kind of sounding groove to it. I love this fucking song, and it's got sitar, and I love this <laughs> sitar. Um, and they even sample, like, Bob Dylan. Like, I remember listening to this song, uh, getting into it, and all of a sudden there's, like, a Bob Dylan sample that just comes out of nowhere. It's like, whoa, what the fuck is this? Um, it, and it works. You know, the, sadly, he's singing about New York City, but uh, it still doesn't deteriorate the song man i love finger licking good it's just it's so much fun and i just love like i love some good funky music you know i love me some like rick james and stuff so great fucking song yeah
1: i love it too it's always been one of my favorites finger licking good and you know come on someone had to have a rap song called finger licking good oh yeah this, this brings back the hip-hop it's really funky you know a lot of fun samples dj hurricane's it up doing some good scratching uh, the bass line's funky. Everything, you know, great rapping. I, I love this song. I love uh, the line, you know, give me some wood and I'll build you a cabinet. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just great. I mean, how to you listen If you listen to Finger looking Good and you, you don't want to get down to it, then, you know, you, you might be a dead man. You know? Yeah. I'm looking at you. For Is real. that some zombie shit going on? Some Dawn of the Dead shit? I got to look yeah. out for you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I made that post recently, uh, yeah. I've been watching, I've been on a uh, George Romero, like, Living Dead kick lately, and watch like, hey, for me, it's all about the first three, uh, Night, oh, On, and uh, yeah. Day, and yeah, I love of all of them, they, they each have something different about them that I really love.
1: Yeah, I, lo- I, lo- I mean, obviously, Night of the Living Dead's, like, the most important one, the first one. From a historical point of view, and I love it, but my favorite is like you—it's the second one, *Donna Dead*. Yeah. I just love that. It's a perfect uh, mixture of satire and horror, and I, yeah. I just really like—I love the
0: chaoticness of it, especially like with the opening. Oh, I love great. the the I love the Italian cut the best. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you
1: got more of the Goblin soundtrack, and that's yeah. great.
0: For me, just all I needed to see, like when I was a kid, all I needed to see was just like I saw bikers killing zombies inside a mall. I'm like, that is a lot of cool shit going on all at once. I'm like, I, I need to see this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's an awesome movie.
1: And an awesome song! And Finger looking good, yeah, it's awesome. And then it goes into the biggest hit from the album. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'll eat off. Like I said, I, I don't know why. I like I said when I heard when I saw this video, I made a mental note. Like I am going to pick up this album. <laughs> but it took gratitude to finally get my ass out, to you know, off to the record shop to do it. To the record store, as Prince would say, you gotta get to the record store. <laughs> uh, but so much of why, yeah, Oh obviously, like you can hear why this song became a hit. It's so fucking catchy. And, you know, you got a great guitar line, drums, you know, this it, again, this is another hybrid. It mixes some samples with some samples of some live instrumentation that they were playing. And they have that great distorted uh, effect on their vocals, which, which they would do even more so on the next album, which, you know, that's something I tried to emulate when I made my demos and stuff. <laughs> I would try to get distortion on my voice. And that's cool. Like, that's the thing, like, you know, utilizing these sounds that would be considered mistakes and then make you know doing them on purpose like and that's like the spirit like you could tell like they were inspired by the beatles and a lot of the things that the beatles were doing like with the white album especially where there there's like the kind of what i'd say the intentional wrong note occasionally thrown in like these little moments that are just a little fucked up, you know. It's a little like the chatter that's in between some of the songs on Let It Be and stuff like that. It just has that kind of vibe. And you can see like they, they they were learning a lot about that. Like it's not always playing the right thing or doing things the right things, like you know, it'd be like, Hey, putting distortion on your you know, vocals would be wrong. <laughs> but they go, No, let's do it. It'll sound <laughs> badass <laughs> On the next album, you know, MCA says he never rocks the mic with the pantyhose. You know, (laughs) like like we're not going to do things the way that we're told that we need to do them in the studio. We're going to think outside the box. We're going to be artists and we're going to try different shit to get cool new sounds. You know, that's the thing. You know, it's that kind of thinking that creates songs like Tomorrow Never Knows and Create songs like "So What You Want," you know, that thinking outside the box. It was a very modern, fresh-sounding hip-hop song, but again with kind of a rock edge. This was a yeah. song to get people rocking, you know, had a guitar lick in it, and I think this is the song that was on Guitar Hero, if I'm. Oh yeah,
0: I was gonna bring that up because yeah, yeah. that's my generation.
1: Yeah, and it just has that groove, and the drum beats bad. You can tell they still kind of learn from like going back to Rick Rubin with the first drum sample on their first album. It's like when the levee breaks like this. So what you want. has that kind of groove to it? And the, this is another thing I want to talk about too. Is this before like rappers got lazy, like P Diddy and stuff, where they would just take a chorus from an old R and B song or pop song and just have some. R&B singer come in and sing that lyric again, you know, sing the chorus. You know, hip hop would have hooks, like actual, like a chorus hook, like that they make up. You know, yeah. you know, what you want, and what you want, what you want. Like that's a catchy hook, and that's, you know, it's like what James Brown did. Like he came up with hooks, you know, and that's the. Cor- they don't need someone to come in and sing a chorus or sing a song. They came up with the hook. That's the chorus. That's the hook. That's the thing that makes people want to hear the song. And it's awesome. It's you know it's up there. It's probably in my top five favorite songs on the album. It's it's a great song. Once I this was a song. I'm not a dance. Historically speaking. I don't really dance at clubs. I will get down, like if I'm at a party somewhere or if I'm getting drunk at a wedding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like if I, if I'm a horrible dancer. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I don't care. I'll get funky. I'll dance. I'm not against dancing. But generally speaking, if it's like a place I'm supposed to dance, like a dance club, eh, not really my scene. <laughs> and, you know, I don't really like the scene at clubs, dance clubs, generally speaking. But once I was going with my brother, you know, we were on the prowl. This was in Philadelphia, Club Egypt, Center City, Philly and this is like i don't know like the mid or late 90s and i was really drunk i was drinking scotch in fact i didn't know how to drink it in the right order you know i was oh god yeah i was was drinking like an idiot and but so what you want came on (laughs) tell you something i i could not resist (laughs) because there's a lot of shitty like mid-90s club music being played and i was like ah this stuff sucks and then but now i was at that peak of alcohol you know intake and then so what your month came on i'm like fuck yeah <laughs> and i busted a move i went into the dance floor and i started dancing like a funky idiot and, and, I, and as soon as the song hit it was end as soon as the song ended i was like oh shit i'm gonna throw up i ran out the parking lot i had to rush out and (laughs) my timing was good i will say this i ran out and as soon as i ran out to the parking lot (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, my brother and his friends came out laughing (laughs) that's what you get for funky dancing and drinking wrong (laughs) So every time I listen to what you want,
0: I think like throwing
1: a parking lot in a in Club Egypt in Philadelphia.
0: For me, it was like because uh, I, I, I used to I used to strip back in the day. So for me, it was like when Pony came on and there were some girls around. You dance for them because everyone like had to mention like, oh yeah, he's a stripper. So Pony came on. Everyone just gives you that look, and you're like, oh, you're almost like obligated to dance. You're like, god damn it! But uh, there's that song. Uh, nowadays it's like if I get drunk enough it's um, the that the vinyl song I Touch Myself and then there's uh, Space Lord by Monster Magnet those are two songs that if I get drunk enough I have like a, a drunken dance I do to it
1: <laughs> I will do It's uh, song that always makes me dance wherever I'm at is Rob Bass it takes two it takes two Oh, that is right yeah that always makes me dance uh, another one is Black Sheep uh, The Choice of Yours uh, that bass you can go with this but you can go with that and then it does the engine, engine number nine on the New York transit line if my train comes off the track pick it up pick it up pick it up always have to say it when they do that <laughs> so yeah there's a few songs there's a few songs Roadhouse Blues if I'm out somewhere normally I have to dance to that there's a few songs there's a few songs. <laughs> a few songs to get me out and this is one of them so what you want damn it's some funky ass shit what do you think of the song that made me get funky and throw up? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, it's funny you mention that because there's uh, a, a later song I actually have something to say about that. It's kind of similar. Um, but so what you want, man? It's this song was in Rock Band two, and uh, that's that's where I knew about this song was from Rock Band and. It was a fun song to play on Rock Band. I always loved it. Uh, lo- it's just so fucking heavy. I love, like, the riff that you hear in it. Uh, it's just like, man, it's like one of those pump-up songs. It's like if you're going into battle or something, or, like, you're on, like, a hockey team, you're getting ready to go out on the ice, man. It's like a song you play to get yourself fucking fired up. You know, it's like one of those songs, like, uh uh God there's like uh, that faith no more song that was in Black Hawk down when they're getting all their like supplies ready and whatnot it's just it's one of those pump up songs man that's song that just gets you in the mood to like go kick some ass or something. I love this tune it's just it's like it's rap but it's also like heavy it's got like some elements like a metalhead or a hard rock fan's gonna like it's just oh just such a good song probably like my second favorite song on the album yep fucking well. amazing. And then we'll go to another little interlude uh, Let me, uh, we're
1: gonna talk a lot about this (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I have to say I'm thinking about it This next song, this 33 second Interlude, has the greatest I'm looking at Wikipedia right now And this is actually, you know, they actually Credit, like, the writing (laughs) This is the greatest Um, writing Credits I've ever seen On a song, the writing credits (laughs) for this song Are, it's two names (laughs) Biz Markey and Ted Nugent.
0: That's like the greatest like
1: combination right there. <laughs> That's what it actually says you're looking at. Biz Markey, Ted Nugent wrote this song. And god damn it, that is technically accurate. <laughs> that is a <laughs> song. It is the Biz versus the Nuge. Which is at the time in nineteen ninety two, I fucking I was a punk ass kid. I didn't know all I knew Ted Nugent was the guy from fucking damn Yankees. So oh, I good lord. And, so I did not have at that time a high opinion as of Ted Nugent as a musician. Not talking about politics or any of that bullshit. Just talking about his music. I love seventies Ted Nugent. I oh, think Oh man, 70s, you can't go wrong. And this is uh from my I would say my second favorite album of his, you know, Cat Scratch Fever. But um. So anyway, I, you know, it's homebound. You know, a great instrumental. But I didn't know that back then. I didn't know. I didn't know who the Nuge was. I didn't know. I knew who Biz Markie was. So oh, yeah, I knew that was Biz Markie rapping over something. But I didn't know that it was about Ted Nugent and that this was a Ted Nugent, you know, guitar solo. But it's also riff- it, this is, again. This is a genius. This is the genius of of the sampling. They. It's like you know this mosaic of pop culture. And going back to these things, and these things that you would not think would combine, again, like like Tarantino, like how he likes to mix the white and black world, you know. That's a big thing that's in a lot of Tarantino movies, you know. And it's like, it's all over this. It's just like, yeah, we're white guys. That love a lot of black music, but we're still white guys, so we know about this shit, you know? But we know about Ted Nugent and stuff like that growing up, you know? So it's like, it's, but we, we, we love Bismarcky. He's one of our favorite rappers. So we have Bismarcky come in, and Bismarcky does essentially over the, the homebound, um, you know, instrumental, it, and, he does to it what Ozzy Osbourne did on the first two Black Sabbath albums where he's <laughs> singing along to the melody the Beastie Boys they're coming home they're coming home they're coming home and he obviously knew the song title so he's ripping off the song title and making it work with the song which is great because this song never actually had lyrics so now Bismarcky gave the song lyrics which yeah. is the song <laughs> and it's It's a great segue between the two songs. It's a lot of fun. It's awesome. It's one of my favorite interludes of all time. You know, to me... Every everything, whether it's a rock concert or a sporting event or political rally, should begin with the Biz vs. the Nooch. <laughs> yeah,
0: for real, I agree. So what do you think
1: of the Biz versus the Nooch?
0: Oh, man, it's just so much fun. It's, it's cool hearing you know hearing Homebound and like, but with Biz Markie, like uh, like rap, like singing over it, and uh, I love Biz Markie, Even though like the only song I know about him is that "Just a Friend" song, but like, it's uh, just. Something about him, man. He just, you know, rest in peace, Biz Markie. Uh, Yeah. Guy is just awesome. It made me sad. There was, like, a video when he died these two jackass little racist kids Uh, obviously never have talked shit to someone in their face, like, saying all this horrible shit about Bismarcky oh, like fucked up. Yeah. It's like, man, I, you know, fuck you two kids. I hope, I hope you walk in on your girlfriend in the future getting fucked by, like, the Harlem Globetrotters, man. Like, fuck you. Yeah, it just is Marky, man. He was the head yeah, of his game.
1: He was like the ODB before ODB. You know, yeah, he was the first rapper that did, like, drunken singing on that Yeah, it's
0: just like, man, fuck, fuck those kids, man. Fucking, you know, it, too many kids nowadays, you know, are so used to disrespecting people behind a computer screen. I ain't consequences, man. But, did dude, you, this I, song... Yeah. What's, did, did you ever
1: see the Always Sunny episode where uh, it, Dennis and Dee uh, go on uh, Welfare?
0: I used I used to watch a hell of a lot
1: of Sunny, Always Sunny. <laughs> yeah, it's a great was, was he in an
0: episode? Uh, he was might really have been, in an they, But they played
1: it. He might have been. He played. He wasn't in this episode, I think. But they played that song, you know, Just yeah. a Friend, and they're they're getting drunk on the corner. And they start always rapping and singing along to that song rather in the corner. And, uh, like the others, I think Charlie and Mack like walk over and say, what are you guys doing? They're like, ah, we're on welfare. And they start singing to the song. It's it's (laughs) hilarious. Especially, the, I think, the, the first out in the six or seven seasons. It's one of those shows like The Simpsons that just went on forever. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, man, uh, yeah, it, it was a great show. So I, I'm i throwing in a, in the middle of this album, I'm throwing out an Always Sunny recommendation. If oh, you never yeah. saw Always Sunny in Philadelphia, you're missing out. It's a great I love
0: Always Sunny, man. That's a good show. I got to go rewatch that show again. It's been a while. Yeah. But we listen to The Biz versus The new and it leads directly into... Another song that's like a total fucking left turn, Time For Living, and oh my god, just, you know, if you didn't think the song was could get any more diverse, they threw in like a quick little hardcore punk song, and oh man, it's, it sounds like a totally different fucking band than what we've heard on the, on the album. Uh, the thing that stood out to me most, again, you know, like we've been talking about, the bass playing, the bass playing is the most noticeable thing, especially if you listen with headphones, you can hear a lot more. This song fucking rules just, you know, you know, just total, like, left turn, but, like, it just works. You know, you're getting so many different shades, you're getting so many different flavors on this album, and they all work, and they all sound amazing. What do you think of Time for Living? It's awesome. Just like you said, you got the
1: big, badass, distorted, thick bass line from MCA. Very heavy. I love it. Like all these songs, very short, so just like a hardcore punk song should be. It's just an you know one minute and forty eight seconds. Yep. Interesting. It's odd when you know about where this song came from. It's funny because uh, just two years later, they would write and knock out songs like this all the time and write their own. But this is essentially a weird hybrid cover. It. Musically, it comes from a an underground hardcore group from New York called Frontline. It never actually had an album come out. Like you could, mm-hmm. I listened to it. The song that inspired this song online on YouTube. And, you know, it was just an underground local band that MCA liked. MCA like liked this band, and you know, you could hear the main riff was that they played on. It was a different song, had different lyrics, but. They, they, he liked it and he's just like, okay, oh, yeah, I like that. So I'm going to kind of pinch that, you know, great artist feel, <laughs> And, and the lyrics are actually from a Sly Stone song, Time for a Living. But that Ooh. song sounds nothing like this. That's like a, like it sounds like a Sly Stone song. It's like a mid tempo kind of funk song. And so they took some of the lyrics from, from the Sly Stone song and put it to this underground song that no one ever heard, frontline song and made their own song out of it. And that, like that's such a Beastie Boys thing to do. Again, kind of like the Biz vs. Nuge, mixing the white and the black, doing something different that you wouldn't expect, and doing it in their own unique way. You know, it might be, you know, it does the hardcore vocals, you know, and it's, it's, it's straight up, it's fun, it's cool. This would become like the model, especially the next album. The next album, you know, this heart attack man, a tough guy, where they would throw in, you know, the hardcore song, Mixed in with the hip hop and the funk, and it's all part of the stew. It's all part of the stew. And this was, you know, an homage to their early days. But you know, their early hardcore didn't sound as good as this. You know, yeah, like now, by this
0: point, they're a little bit more, a little yeah. bit more talented on their instruments.
1: Yeah, and they're just thicker and more badass sounding. Mike D doesn't sound like he's a, a little kid, which he has on the early ones. You know, Egg Raid for Mojo. He sounds like he's fifteen, which he probably was. But so, so they sound much better here. And it's a great song. And man, you know, this is the thing. This album's just going to keep on changing up on you. Exactly. It then goes into the last song on, on, uh, like, uh, side one if it was a cassette. <laughs> There's no sides if it was a CD. It'd be the end of the, the rec, first record if you're listening to this on final. It's a double album. But
0: something's got to give. Oh, something's I got, it. can I take this one? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. man. Uh, this, so I said, uh, I said what you want would be my second favorite. It's actually kinda, I'd say it's maybe tied as, tied with this song as my second favorite. I love this one. It's just, you know, after like such a intense, crazy, like, you know, hardcore punk song, you get like this real chill, like mellow kinda sound, kinda song. Uh, I just love like how chill and mellow it is. You know, the opening, you got like the bongos in there, or, I love bongo drums. I think they just sound so cool, especially if they're used right um the lyrics are it's this one of those songs too where like it's such a ha- kind of like relaxing hap like almost happy like laid back kind of song but the lyrics are like extremely dark like when you actually read the lyrics it's pretty dark stuff and i, I just love it when bands do that i know cheap trick we talked when we talked about cheap trick they do that a lot where they'll write like you know real happy upbeat pop songs but then they have, like, real demented lyrics, and I love when bands do that, like, the music expresses one mood, but the lyrics are, like, totally opposite of the mood the music expresses. It's just, what an amazing song, definitely tied for my second favorite off the album, and, uh, uh you know, someone made a, I was reading up about the Beastie Boys, I mean, someone made a good comparison that, like, I mean, they're, in a way, they're almost kind of similar to the Beatles, where they started off as, like, a real fun kind of band that was getting a lot of attention, a lot of press, uh, that just, you know, they matured, and, like, with each album, they just almost, you know, elevated themselves and just became these genius songwriters with, you know, diverse albums, you know, and it's very true, because, you know, like, you know, the first album, you know, is very fun, you know, you know, fun kind of rap album that anyone can get into, and as they go on, they get more diverse and challenge themselves a lot, and it works, though.
1: Yeah, uh, exactly. And, you know, it's funny, because, like, they sampled the Beatles on Paul's Boutique, so it's almost, it's almost like they listened to that. and it's like, hey, we should be like the Beatles. (laughs) Like, we're not just gonna rap over their shit, we're gonna be like them. How fucking awesome is that? To, Mm -hmm. like, dare to be like the Beatles, you know, that's the thing, to, to have that confidence to go for it and actually pull it off, you know, and put in the effort. That's the thing about artists, like, you know, like, Like I said, this is the greatest on-the-job training album ever. Like, they literally taught themselves to play kinds of music that they had never played before. And then recorded it and put it out, and it worked. And, you know, that's the thing. So many people and artists and bands, especially these days, they just take the lazy, easy way
0: out. Yep, exactly. innovators,
1: you know. And that's the thing. Beastie Boys, they were innovators. And they dared to, like, you know, go out of their comfort zone. And... You know, let's do this and then then we're gonna fucking put it on record and all works and something's got to give it's one of it's one of it might be um, my third or fourth favorite song on the album. It's awesome. And like you said, there is a darkness to it. It's both. It's like a psychedelic song. I I guess the way I would describe it is a psychedelic rock song. Yeah, it's a psychedelic rock song, but. Like real psychedelic, you know? <laughs> Not like a rock song with some trippy guitar here and there. Like it's a full out psychedelic song. Yeah. Very trippy. Again, just three minutes twenty-eight seconds. But like another thing they learned, I think, from the Beatles was they could do like they can they had these really interestingly arranged songs that were really short but felt epic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and take notes, Iron Maiden.
1: Yeah. It's just like the song feels epic, and if you're doing drugs during it, it, it is longer. <laughs> but, yeah, it is. You're real, bro. I, I love it. And even, like, the way, though, there's still a hip-hop element, because, like, they have yeah. a record scratch in the middle, but it's a trippy record scratch. It's like, and it's like, oh, man, i can tell you, when I got high, this was another one. <laughs> but uh, And the lyrics appear, it's Ad-Rock singing with an uh, um you know, some kind of effect that Mario sees putting on it. Live, he would do this with a, a straight-up 70s vocoder, like, through the guitar. Like, sweet emotion oh, shit. Yeah, so he would do it, like, fucking Joe Perry live, like, with the vocoder. So that's worth checking out. But uh, on record, it's some other kind of cool, trippy effect. And the lyrics, it's like, um, yeah, they're both, it's dark, inspirational, kind of all, you know, at the same time. And it's just about, you know, the world's kind of fucked up. You know, it's both yeah. kind of ecological, political, and this is another I think this is a good point to talk about, too, because this is the thing about the Beastie Boys. I don't want to get into politics, but I want to get into politics with music, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting, because we're, we're talking about a band that on song eight had Ted Nugent with his marquee. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, at least a sample of Ted Nugent. But acknowledging it, you know, even calling the song The Nuge. And then... On um, uh, the tenth song is this kind of like the, the, the we're destroying the world, ecological yeah. kind of song. Something's got to give. Kind of hippie-ish, you know, hippie dippy. Yeah, but in like a I said, darker. Too, it's
0: such a mellow kind of song. Yeah. Like it's got the messed and, up lyrics, but like you're, it makes you feel like you're laying on a beach. and it's kind of like a hippie kind of song. Yeah,
1: you know? and what again, the thing about this is like if you listen to like in a way, Paul's boutique was the transition because lyrically. They weren't at. I mean, lyrically, Paul's Boutique is still kind of. Um, uh, it's still pretty, fairly politically incorrect, you know. If you listen to it, it's not. Yeah. As ju- it's not as juvenile as a uh, License to Ill, but it's 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 a little wittier and a little more sophisticated. But you're still talking trash about women and people in it. If you listen to the lyrics, you know. Yeah. It's it's still it's it's great, and that's why it's my favorite lyrics. To me, they never outdid the le. Li- the, just talking the lyrics. They never outdid Paul's critique. But if you listen to, like, Hey Ladies and stuff like that, you know, there's still, like, young lads having fun and talking shit about lame women and lame dudes and <laughs> cool women, and, and they still talk about fucking women, and, like, they're still, like, they're still the Beastie Boys in that sense. Yeah. Now, with Check Your Head, they're not as overt with their politics as they would get in 2000s, but... They, it's definitely the beginning of a more politically correct Beastie Boys. Lyrically. Yeah. They're not really talking trash anymore. But this is a good lesson for people later on that are more political or maybe left-leaning. All I can say is you can take a cue from the Beastie Boys. Because the thing is, even though they were more politically correct, it wasn't hitting your head over it in, on this album. And it was still fun. And it was still had an edge to it. And that's the thing. Even Beastie Boys never lost their sense of humor even by the time we got to um two to five boroughs where they were being a little more pointed with their politics they were still funny they were still doing funny videos they were still saying funny things like you know i'm just saying and i talk about this a little bit in my sonic youth video on youtube but all i can say and this goes to any side but it's a little directed more at left the modern left right now <laughs> is, is, you can have your different point of views, but you know, don't lose your humanity, don't lose your sense of hu- humor. And that's the thing about, that's what hippies yeah. were like in the 60s and in the 70s. You know, the Beatles had a sense of humor, you know? They, they, yep. they, you know, they were fairly liberal people. Most of the, most rock musicians were. But they had a sense of humor. And there was depth and complexity to their, to their views. And all I could say and This is why I think This is a good time To talk about With this song Is They're more consci- You know They're definitely Introducing A more conscientious Politically correct BC boys That actually Care about the world A bit here yeah. Like They're not just Having a good time But They still have A good time Exactly. You know, they can do both. They they can they can still have fucking finger looking good and and have fun, have a sense of humor. It's all part of it, you know. You don't have to lose your humanity and lose your yeah. sense of humor. You know, we can all disagree. have
0: a joke, have fun.
1: You know, yeah, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. You know, all I can say is, regardless of your politics, you know, look at that. And like I said, it's like the sphere of Ian Wadley. Ian Wadley is, you know, more liberal than a lot of people that are in the RMCP army, but he has a sense of humor. Oh, yeah. He doesn't, he has friends that think different things. You know, we kind of think, I have friends, you know, I'm neither, all I can say is I'm neither, I don't identify. I'm like kind of in
0: the middle, man. Same here. Like <laughs> I'm
1: straight down the middle. I don't yeah. I identify as a Republican or a Democrat. And I'm, I'm an independent. I'm straight down the middle. So I don't really have a, Dog in either fight As far as I'm concerned But all I can say is I'll be your friend No matter what If you have have a mixture Of humanity Empathy And a sense of humor Those are the three Important things Empathy Humanity Sense of humor And the Beast Boys From what I hear Had all three So more power to them I love this song And I love this Fucking band Let's uh, let's put on The second record (laughs) Yes
0: Yeah let's put on That second record On Turntable Drop the needle On Blue Nun.
1: Another interlude. Thirty. It's really the intro.
0: <laughs> yeah. To
1: stand together, but we'll talk about. It. I don't know if you know what the blue nun was. was I, I actually, don't.
0: I, <laughs> I, I tried reading into it, but it was like too much for my. It just went right over my head. But it's another
1: seventies pop culture thing because they were children of the seventies. But I remember yeah. there was a little talk of it in the early eighties, which I remember as a very young child. Was it was kind of a jokey, like cheap wine. Uh huh. Had commercials where the, it was like um. There were, uh, wine commercials where there was some blue nun and she, and she found, discovered the best wine or something. But anyway, it was, it was, it was, a, it was kind of a D-Class A kind of wine. I guess I could, it, the equivalent was, it was like, kind of like St. Paul's Girl, but for wine. Oh geez. If you could uh, kind of get what I'm getting at. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so I get you're saying. <laughs> so, so that's, that so that's the kind of the joke. So they're kind of making fun of this kind of, uh, D-Class A wine. That was by the nineties was no longer existing, so it was something that they just remembered from their childhood. Maybe one of their parents joked about it or whatever. But that's what the blue nun is, and yeah. it's just like a commercial. It's just a funny little bit that sets up the next song. But what do you think of the blue nun?
0: Oh, uh, Man, uh, I'll keep this uh, review short, like the like the interlude. I like it, man. I like like kind of intros like this, where you know it almost had like a like a Rod Serling style like narration or like this old school fifties commercial sound to it, which I I love Nazi, it was like a take on like a, like an old commercial for, uh, for like a wine. I yeah. like it, man. It's just, it's real fun. I, I love things like this. It's not too long. They keep it nice and short and it goes right into, uh, stand together, which, uh, starts off like it's real weird sounding at the beginning. It sounds like a, you know, you got like a funky bass line, but like a rubber chicken, like yeah. kind of the weird sound. Effects. And it's like, what yeah. the fuck is this? It's and then it's funky. funky. Yeah, but then the song kicks in, and then you got some great, like, real fuzzy-sounding guitar, yeah. and just, it, it rules, and uh, before I let you talk about it, you know, like I said, I usually, uh, I watch, I listen to these songs, like, on YouTube when I take my notes, I like to hear other people's perspectives about the songs, and I have, yet again, another Eric's YouTube Comment of the Week for this song that I had to, I had to mention. So when I was listening to this song, I looked at the comments, and a YouTube a YouTube user by the name of Moog67 wrote this. He says, and I quote, this song literally made me throw up at a party once, and I mean that as a compliment, which is funny because you mentioned your story <laughs> earlier, so yep. I thought go. that and it made me laugh. I'm like, well, that's pretty fucking funny. This is that kind of album. You know, it just has songs that are so funky
1: that you dance when you shouldn't dance.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you, you mix certain alcohols that shouldn't be mixed together, and you swish them around your stomach while you're dancing, and you throw up, but hey, it was worth it.
1: Yeah, you mix in MGD with the Blue Nun. You shouldn't oh, do that. Lord. Oh, Lord. But stand together, it's awesome. It's another one of my favorite tracks. It's really funky. I love the funky horn samples. The dun, 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 dun. It's really funky. It kicks in. MCA's really sounds badass on it. Another kind of distorted uh, effect on his rap. I love how he he raps most of it, but then MCA and Adrock kind of come in for the coda when they sing the chorus at the end. That's fun. Always doing different things. That's the thing. They're just you know they're just finding little curveballs. The arrangements are really interesting throughout this album. You know they never just say, this is a model, this is how we're going to do the song, you know, verse, chorus, whatever. They yeah. always find little ways to make it a little different. It's never exactly the BC you expect to be hearing, or the instrument you expect hearing. I love the really raw and sloppy, distorted guitar from Ad-Rock that you mentioned, that comes in and out during the verses. <laughs> it's just it's bad, but yet the the, the main line, the main beat in the music is very dancey. It's probably kind of the danciest song, but yet it's like a fucked up, druggy rocked out dance song. Yeah. But, yeah, this probably sounds a little like something that could have been on Paul's Fatigue. And uh, it's a great song. I love stand together. It leads into the first full-fledged instrumental on the album. And this would make it the first full-fledged Beastie Boy instrumental ever on an album. Yeah. How? Now, this would be something they would do Even more so on later albums. Actually, Uh, ill communication has a lot of jazzy instrumentals, and then they would even do uh, albums that were just instrumentals. And you know, they got they were getting pretty good on their instruments. You know, and this is like just this just when they're beginning. You know, I was like, damn, you know, pals. Just after you've been just playing for like six months, it's pretty impressive. It's just a funky jam. It's a funky jam. But you know, you could have told me this was the James brown and the jb's and <laughs> i would have believed you you know that's like it's impressive that they could do something this funky and you know it comes in great with stand together helps create that whole mixtape vibe and i love pal what do you think of
0: Pal? i love this fucking i love this song shit sounds like shaft or something like i was listening to it man just like it reminded me of all those like 70s like grindhouse like black exploitation movies like I, like I hear this and i feel like i'm like I feel like I'm running down the street with, like, this black dude with, like, an afro and we're just shooting bad guys, you know, and, uh you know, there's, like, the Batman, like, comic book things, like, pow, you know. I love this fucking song. It's so fun, so funky, and uh, ma- And uh uh this is where I'll talk about the drum work. The drum work on this song is absolutely amazing. It really stood out to me. Yeah, I agree. Mike D did a great job on oh, amazing this. He could be job. really
1: funky, you know. He could be pretty good drumming, you know, pretty good Hell drumming. Yeah. Great song! I love how it segues. It's like this whole album. Like you know, you hear that guy on the answering machine. He's like, "I only care about the E boys, so fuck you, my man." Yeah, I love it. (laughs) And it goes into the Maestro, which is another one of my favorite songs. This is bad. This would be my favorite song on this side. Nice. I love the maestro. It's a badass, you know. It's a bang, bang. It's just, it just has a bad riff. You know, it does a, a little bit like Funky Boss brings in a little bit of that early seventies Curtis Mayfield meets Deep Purple kind of vibe. Yeah, and it, it's and and just you know, Ad Rock just sounds really bad on badass on it and tough. I love all the. All the you know, MCA sounds great on it too. I love when he does that little thing that sounds like he's got some funky bingo game at the end, <laughs> and they're all shouting. and uh, It's just, it's just, it's just a rowdy good time. That's the maestro. It's just a you know, how can he be so skinny but live so fat? Because I'm the maestro, motherfucker. You know, this is. Love that lyric. badass. <laughs> and this was one they did live, like during the the Check Your Head tour. And it's just badass. I think this could have been a single, personally. Especially they could have like a funny video that was like them. At the gong show or something oh, all real. the contestants like i feel like they the, this i would have went with this instead of uh, jimmy james which apparently was the third single although that really didn't take i only discovered that after i got the vhs collection of their videos mtv never showed that video but this one i think could have uh, could have took off actually i think they should have released this as a single but anyway it's a catchy song i love the for a badass another song it's both funky and heavy at the same time It does it all And again, under three minutes And it's fucking epic I love the maestro What do you think of it?
0: Uh, so it's just a great, funky song uh, really cool song Just about like uh, It also kind of reminds me of like High Roller by Cheap Trick It's about like that cool, like badass guy yeah. With the notoriety uh, Like like our friend uh, Like our local friendly uh, neighborhood drug dealer Slicky Dicky It's like another <laughs> song about him Probably got out of prison. The Beastie Boys wrote a song about him. Yeah, yeah man, it's just a cool song. Uh, I think they used this in. Because uh, I'm I'm from Illinois, so I you know when I was born when the Bulls had their big like run. Uh, I think they used this in that Last Dance documentary that they had on ESPN Plus when they're talking about Dennis Rodman. Which, oh, cool. this, is a, this is a perfect song for Dennis Rodman. He was like the bad boy, like you know, yeah. real badass.
1: Yeah, he's not, he seems like he got a fire with fire with the BC boys. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, I got to see that because I, I love the Bulls. I love the Chicago Bulls. Uh, yeah. I got, I actually got to the see the Bulls. I got to see that. I got to see the Dream Team. That's almost like seeing a, a famous rock band. Like, yeah. It's a big see, deal. I got to see the Dream Team. I got to see you know, the Bulls when it, you know, it was you know, Jordan, Pippen, and Rodman play against the um, you know Seventy Sixers in Philadelphia. And I was, I guess that I was rooting for the Bulls. <laughs> you know, oh, I was, nice, nice. listen, they were just, at that point, you know, all I can say is like Michael Jordan, it'd be like in the late sixties going to see like Jimi Hendrix play.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: it's like you couldn't disrespect the guy. The guy was amazing and yeah. it's just like, wow, I'm, I'm actually, in, and I'm not like a big sports guy and. I was just like wow that's Michael Jordan I'm like in real time like in that's real time he was a legend so uh, yeah it, it, like it, I don't know maybe people felt that way if they saw like Muhammad Ali fight you know what I mean yep. like it just it was like like I'm watching a legend in real time and and you know and that team it was an amazing team you know Phil Jackson was the coach and it was an amazing team and it was no disrespect to Philly or the 76ers but you know it was the fu- it was the fucking nineties Chicago Bulls. Yeah, you're so, not gonna beat them. <laughs> so and, and and of course they won. So yeah, I got <laughs> I got it a privilege. I got to watch the Bulls beat my home team. <laughs> 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 yeah, but yeah, so yeah, the Maestro is a perfect song because it's like it's just that total thing where you're just dominating. You know, it's like Kenny Power shit. You know, like I'm the yeah. best, I'm dominating, I'm throwing my dick all around town. You know, it's fucking Scarface shooting everyone, you know, top of the, the world. Slicky dicky. It's awesome. So what in groove groove homes almost oh, sounds yeah. like the the half of pal. It's like pal's the funky part and now this is the this is the chill part, <laughs> you know? Yeah. This is the mental where now they're just kinda getting a little they getting a little smooth, they're getting a little chill. It's so it's kinda jazzy, you know. Just another just another little shade, another little mood. I guess if I had to pick a least favorite song, maybe it'd be this song, but you know, it's still great. I still like it. It's just a nice little jazzy jam that fits that flows well between the, the two songs it's between. What do you think of Group Holmes?
0: It's pretty it's a nice little ditty, uh it's a nice little like kinda another like kinda interlude, um, you know, really cool uh organ in it. You know, there's a lot of like organ, like classic seventies sounding organ in it that I really love. Yeah, that's
1: uh, Mon- kind funny, of like a- Mark. Money Mark. Great, great keyboardist. He oh, played- amazing!
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just love that like throwback sound they keep throwing into this album. Just more proof how like just absolutely talented and like just what musical geniuses these guys are. Um, I, I got asked, ask, uh, was this movie? I mean, was this song featuring like uh, like one of the Iron Man or Marvel movies? Because that's when I looked at the comments for the song. That's all I kept hearing was like something about donuts and Iron Man. Like, yeah, was so- this one, one of the movies?
1: Yeah, they play it uh, in Iron Man 2. Okay, yeah, I didn't see it, that one. It's once. a scene where he's like, hung over. It's like one of the better scenes in the movie. Uh, he, he's hung over. It's very John Fox. I actually... I'm like not in the... I don't share the general public opinion on a lot of Marvel movies. Not big fans, I'm not a big fan of the Marvel movies.
0: I, I, I love it's CGI. I hate it. I hate, I, I hate CGI. I'm
1: not. I Actually, Iron Man 2 is one of the few ones I actually like.
0: Okay. Uh, I like Guardians of the Galaxy. Those are my favorites. Those scenes, are ones I actually really like. Those...
1: Iron Man fans and Marvel fans don't like that one but it's probably for the reasons I like it it's the one that actually feels more like a John Farber movie uh-huh. like I, I like early John Farber I like uh, Swingers and Maid and Iron Man 2 it's a little like um, it's like what Batman Returns is for Tim Burton you know how like okay. Batman I like Returns, that
0: one that one's yeah, a grower
1: you know how like that feels a little more like Tim Burton like you can yeah. tell like, he's getting a little weirder and darker and more Tim Burton-esque yeah well, Iron Man Two feels like it feels like the guy who did Swingers is making an Iron Man movie, and okay. actually, this to give you an example, like it's a scene where he's at a party and he gets drunk, and the next day he's sitting on top of this uh, donut. It's a stone shop and it's a big giant donut, and he's nursing a hangover, <laughs> eating. He, he's in his Iron Man suit, but he's the helmet's off, and he's like his face looks all haggard from a hangover, and he's eating a donut and coffee while this song's playing. And that that felt like, yeah, that feels like John Farber is directing. This. You know, <laughs> it's not like, you know, a committee or like later on Disney. This felt like a filmmaker is making this and inserting his sense of humor. Plus, uh Mickey Rourke and Sam Rockwell were really enjoyable as the villains in the movie. i have to check it out then. Yeah, it's one of the better ones, in my opinion. It okay. had a lot of humor to it, and it just felt kind of loose and fun and not so much like the assembly line Marvel movie. It yeah. got looser and cooler. So I actually liked that movie and it had a great soundtrack. It had a lot of ACDC songs, which you know, there was a tie. That's worth checking them. out. Yeah. And they played uh, a couple good clash songs. It had a good soundtrack. It had a good soundtrack. Nice. Yeah. So not a bad film in my opinion, but yeah. So then we get into a song live at PJ's, which oh, yeah. it's not actually live. <laughs> that's just you know, they just put in
0: Studio all- Magic.
1: Yeah, studio magic. But it's great. Talk about the bass line again. Yeah. Damn, that bass line. And that's the thing. MCA what makes him truly a great bassist is he can be heavy and funky. Sometimes yep. at the same time, sometimes separately. This song it's all about the funk he's just laying down a really funky ass baseline which drives the song you know ad rock is you know rapping the whole song and you know it's great rapping but to me what drives this song is that baseline it's is a really badass Boom, 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 boom. And it just sounds hard and heavy. It's like heavy funk. It's a heavy funk song with rapping. That's how I feel. Like, I don't even think of this as a hip hop song. I think of this as a funk song with rapping, with Bad Rock screaming on it. And you know, at the end, it's funny. You know, if you've been driving, don't. You know, if you've been drinking, don't drive. If you've been driving, don't drink. You know, he's talking to the crowd. It's just got humor. It's fun. It's funky. know, in a way, I feel like this kind of could have been the last song on the album. It's kind of a fun. It would have been. I think so too. I feel like it could have. It would have been a fun way to end this album. The only criticism I will have of this album. It's not criticism because I love it, and we'll talk about this a bit when we get to the B side too, uh, that I want to talk about. But I feel like the last like four tracks. I feel like they could have trimmed off maybe one song. Maybe group made a little shorter. Like just have it be just a little snippet of it maybe put in a b-side that i like instead of um you know one song and maybe have take away the last song and replace it with live pj's that might have been i think a stronger ending that's all i can say is i think the album putters out a little bit i still love it but it's that's my only mild criticism and it's a mild criticism because you know when I'm listening to it all, I'm loving it all but I feel like there is a slightly better version that could have existed if they just kind of did something a little different at the end in my opinion but so what do you think of before we get into that though what do you think of live at PJ's
0: oh my god I love live at PJs and I this should have been the song that ended the album uh, when we get to the last track on the on the album I'll yeah. talk about it but this should have been the last track. It's just... It's perfect for it. You know, and it's a fun song. I love the... Love the intro. Like, you know, I love it when bands do stuff like that. Like, this next band, you know, like, stuff like that. Where they make it sound like they're at, like, a club or something. They insert, yeah. like, the audience noise. I love it that would, shit. And it
1: would, have set, it would have been perfect full circle, because the album opens with the cheap trick live thing.
0: Yeah, so it would have been, like, perfect. But yeah. I love, like, it, it's real funky again, man. It's like, you know, they... The album starts off, they're doing, like, some Motown, like, and shit, but then they throw in, like, that Beastie Boys style, like that, you know, rapping stuff, while still keeping that funky sound, it's just, it's amazing, it's funny, like, they, there's a lot of humor on this song, uh, and it sounds too like a James Brown song as well, it's yeah. just, Fucking amazing, more bongo drums in it, uh the bass bass playing like like always is just fucking phenomenal.
1: Yeah, he's like doing Bootsy Collins type shit. It's very yeah. Yeah. He's really Man. laying down a fat
0: groove. Yeah, but I love the song. It should definitely should have closed the album, and that leads into yet another interlude. Mark yeah. on the bus, which, but
1: I, which well, uh, let me take it. Uh, okay, like okay. I said, I, I would have done it a little differently, like the, the arranging it, and I agree. We both agree that Live at PJ should have ended the album, but I do love Mark on the bus. Oh my
0: god, me too. It's my favorite of the interludes. It's my favorite
1: of the interludes. And this is the song I thought you were thinking. This is the song I thought of when you said one of these interludes kind of could have been like a whole song. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, This is like an actually good, soulful R&B song. Yeah, you know, it's just it's a really loose, soulful kind of '70s R&B song, which they're playing. It's just them, you know, Ad Rock and the guitar, and I don't know. I that's like MCA and Ad Rock, I think, kind of singing together, and they make it sound like it's like like it's on the bus or on a street corner or something with the effects. yeah, or like
0: waking up, like uh, waking up at the studio or some shit. Yeah, waking up, gotta get, go to work. <laughs> you know, I and, love it,
1: and the lyrics are great, and it's just got this. It's just got this group, it's funny, it's a little like, and this, this is gonna come out, I was spoil, uh, the song specifically, because this, this episode's gonna come out before this other episode that we recorded, but it's a little like, and I think you know what I'm talking about, it's a little like this later, the song towards the end of a Smashing Pumpkins album, Yeah, where, where it's like a snippet of the song and you're like, you know, that, kind of could have been a hit
0: like yeah i, kind of, I know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah
1: yeah you could have kind of finished this up and could have had you know, a kind of surprise r and jam hit <laughs> you know pop, <laughs> just slick it up a little bit and add another course that's so like really fucking catchy you know give the tlc a run for their money yeah <laughs> it again just shows their diversity and yet the Beastie boys but what's really cool is they, it's just kind of a throwaway to them <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. we could do the song. It's this like funky, soulful, cool jam of some good lyrics, and we make it just this minute interlude. And it get that's a little like a Paul McCartney kind of move. Like we just come in, we could drop a little magic, and we don't have to make a meal of it. We can leave. So on one hand, I'm like thinking, dudes, you could have did more at this song, and I thought that even when I was a teenager. But at the same time, I think it's kind of cool that you didn't. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. torn. On, I'm kind of torn on it. So uh, what? Anything else more to say about Mark, on the bus?
0: Uh, It's just, it's, like I said, it's my favorite, like, of the, like, interlude kind of songs. But it it could have been a full-length song. But in a way, it's like, you know, I'm kind of glad maybe they didn't do that. It's kind of like when, uh... I don't know, it's like kind of when you're, like, uh... When you're drawing, like, a picture or something, and you finish it, it looks good. But then you try and go back and add something to it, or add more to it, and it looks... Just doesn't look right. Um, I think it just... I like it that it's short. You know, it's kind of like, uh... When you know I was playing in bands in high school, everyone would always have those songs that like it was like this little piece of a song that they never completed, and they never really did complete, or if they tried adding more to it, wouldn't sound right. So you just were left with like this kind of like little like this little like fragment of a song. And the Beatles had a lot of that too, and they yeah. they had a lot of that on the White Album, where they had those little fragments of songs that's like we're not gonna really add anything else to this. Let's just leave it like it is. And I like that. It's just it's fun. And uh, also too, the thing I love is that they samp there's a sample from of Kronos from a Venom concert. Like the very ending. I was trying to figure out who that was oh, and I found cool. it was uh, I know. that's close. Yeah, that was it's from like a live Venom album. Wow. And it's basically just Kronos talking to the crowd, I'm like, Yeah, fucking Venom.
1: Oh, that's awesome. It didn't even
0: know that. Yeah, because I was listening to it. I'm like, that sounds so familiar. At first, I thought it was like Roddy Piper or something. I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, sampled from. It sounds familiar. And I looked it up, and it was it was Chronos from Venom from like a live album of theirs. Yeah, so I, was I was think like, I yeah. hear it now that
1: you're saying it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, Mark on the some... Bus
0: fucking rules, man. Just love it.
1: Okay, now we'll get into Professor Booty. Uh, if Professor Booty, great song. Uh, the only thing I have to say is, yeah, we're getting to a point where I feel the album's slightly overlong. Yeah. Yeah, where, like, if you listen to the song, like, if you just separate it to song and listen to it on its own... It's another great PC Boy song. It's great hip-hop yeah. song. You know, the lyrics are a lot good. You know, Mike these you know, going around town in his little rider bicycle. You know, life's just nothing but a good groove. The right mixtape put you in the right mood. You know, a lot of great lyrics. I love the groove, some good, you know, you know, bass lines and stuff. I, you know, I really like the song, but we're getting to a point where it's just kind of like another song. And I feel like the, the, like I said, I feel like they just could have ended this album with a little more of a tighter punch the way it came in. And yeah. Professor Booty is a really good song and, But I think this this is more B-side material In fact, there's a song that's a B-side That we'll talk at the end That I think was stronger, <laughs> stronger in this song uh, With a stronger hook and chorus and the snappier, shorter songs, too. And I definitely would have replaced that song with this song. Um, but it's a good song. I do like it. And while I'm listening to it, I'm enjoying it. But, if, like I said, if I could play God and go in, I so far the only thing, so far like this, I wouldn't change anything until we get to groove homes. I would cut it in half. I'd make it a little shorter, fade out. and make it more of an interlude after the maestro. I would had brought in this beat, well I'll just talk about the B side now then alright, I would have brought Go in for sk- it. Skills That Pay The Bills now uh, after Groove Phones, I would have brought that in, I think it's stronger, punchier song, I think it had single potential too it's just, you know, we've got the skills to pay the bills, skills to pay the bills it's catchy, it's got that badass low end bass sound, it goes doom, doom, doom. Doom, doom, doom! cool flute samples, the great rhyming. They played it a lot live on this tour. That's when I first saw it was on this videotape, a clip of them doing it live. It was a B-side for So What You Want. I know you only heard it once right before uh, this tape, so you probably didn't fully digest it. But to yeah. me, that was a stronger, punchier song that I think uh, this second, like, it, I think this last stage of the album, this last side of the album, could have used a song like that. So I would have picked that instead of Professor Booty, and I would have shortened Groove Homes, and then I'll tell you what I think we, the end. well, we already know what the end should be, and what I think should have just been taken off and been a B-side. So I would have made, I would have made uh, Professor Booty a B-side, and one other song that we didn't get to yet. But, uh, and I would have brought in, Skills that pay the bills. So, what do you think? Skills to pay the bills. I know you only heard it one time, though. So, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I'll talk about. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about both songs, I'll talk about skills to pay the bills. Um, it, it's definitely like I only heard it the one time because you brought it up right before we went on, and so I listened to it. Um, it didn't really do much for me, but at the same time, like half of this album took me a while to really get into. Like half this album kind of just was like I was kind of like eh. But then like as I kept listening it got better and better and I started absorbing it more. Because obviously it's a it's a long album. It's hard to really absorb everything on the first listen. Uh so it's definitely a song I need to listen to more. It had elements that I did like, but it didn't fully grab me. But uh Professor Booty's also like the same way. It's like but this one but Professor Booty obviously I listened to more, so it just it didn't do much for me. It's got good points, like yeah again, great bass work. Uh, MCA's got some great flow Like on some of his verses uh, Just as a whole though It just didn't do much for me And it's kind of like At this point of the album It's like man It's starting to Starting to like Kind of drag a little bit Like it's like You know Some of these songs Are kind of like Eh hey, Probably could have been A B-side you know So I definitely do like Skills to pay the bills More than Professor Booty uh, But I still need time To like listen to Skills to pay the bills A little bit more yeah, you see, what
1: I did, I did go, uh, like I said, groove home, So I would make it a little shorter, then I would go into, uh, I would go into Mark on the Bus, yes, somehow, like through a sample or something, had Mark <laughs> on the Bus go into... Skills That Pay The Bills, which I think that would have sagged way nicely into it with the graffiti talk uh, guys, you know, talking about his lady fucking the graffiti guys. <laughs> so that could have gone into Skills to Pay The Bills. And then it could have went into In Threes. I think In Threes is a fine second to last song. It's just a cool little funky instrumental. It's really funky. It's got great hooks. And it's only two minutes and 23 seconds. So keep in mind, this version, you'd be getting to it a little sooner because because you wouldn't have had at PJs yet. In this version, you didn't have at PJs, Groove Homes was shorter, and Skills to Pay the Bills is half the length of Professor Booty. So you'd be getting it in threes a little sooner. And I think it's a fine second-to-last funky track. You know, I wouldn't say it's a standout, but I like it. It's like, you know, it's, it's not as good as POW, but I do like it. It's a fine second-to-last track. It has a good funky organ. I like it. What do you think of N3s?
0: In threes is fucking amazing. It's like, oh hey, I'm back on the set of Shaft. You know, it's it has again that Shaft vibe, man. I feel like I'm you know running down the streets again with like a real cool black dude, and we're just shooting fucking bad guys. Uh, man, I fucking love it. Another funky song with killer bass lines and the drums at the end are my favorite. It's like uh oh, yeah. like tribal sounding drums, and I love me some tribal drums. That's just some cool sounding shit. Love, yeah. this. Love this song, man. Just real great. Um, and then we go into the last song on the album, Nama. How do you pronounce this?
1: Okay, I, I, listen, we're both going to probably... um Namaste? I was gonna say nama <laughs> Namaste. nama aste it's, yeah. it's a it's a Buddhist word I know it's some kind of Buddhist thing and this sounds like a Buddhist kind of song yeah this is the first of the MCA Buddhist songs uh, he would have a couple more on the next album uh, you, you want to take this one and then I'll, I'll take it <laughs> yeah
0: so this would if I had to pick a least favorite song it definitely be this one it's just I don't know man it's just real odd sounding I really feel like they should uh Ended with, like, as, like we've been talking about live at PJ's. It's just weird. It's like a very odd song. It's almost got kind of like a Doors vibe to it. It like sounds like off American Prayer. Where it sounds yeah. like someone like kind of reciting like this, like, 60s, like hippie-ish poetry over like a kind of a mellow kind of song. Just, I don't know. Didn't do anything for me and I just felt it was like kind of a bad way to end the album. I felt just kind of like, You you took, like, this really great album, and it just kind of ends on, like, a a flat note. Just didn't do anything for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like the song. Like I said, in and of itself, it, it, you know, it does, like, I like, you know, I like the BC voices, musicians. I like the vibe. It's got a cool groove. You know, it's got a little of that vibe from, like, you know, um, you know, lighting up and something's got to give, but it's not as strong as as those two songs. Yeah. It's MCA doing some spoken word Buddhist stuff. And, but you know it's got some cool organ it's got trippy feel I don't mind it I'm glad they recorded it I just think it's b-side material that's all I think Agreed. it would have been it would have been a cool b-side and you know it's like George Harrison's you know in the light you know it's just like you know mm-hmm. have it to be a b-side and like I said like we both agree I feel like in threes going into live at PJ's just would have been a perfect one- two punch ending. And kind of like we had our little trippy moments, but let's you know, let's end this like a Beastie Boy album, you know? That's yeah. you know, and, and with the live thing it would have went full circle with the Cheat Trick sample. So I I do think that they kind of mildly dropped the ball a bit at the yeah. end. Yeah. But but it's like still like it's a masterpiece with a slight, very slight blemish. And it's like yeah. even blemish is not in itself like a bad blemish it's just like it's just like you got the pieces of a puzzle and you got like almost all the pieces there and you just like put a few pieces in a little not quite the way i think you should have done it but some of them were not
0: included in the box
1: yeah like yeah like this this could have been a japanese only track or a b-side i get why they thought it worked as like a a finale because it's poetic you know and it's spiritual but you know and uh, like i said i feel like it's not as strong as you know, something's got to give, and that's kind of the spiritual, poetic song yeah. on the album. And it's a centerpiece, and I think that song works perfectly where it is, right in the center of the album. Uh, like we both said, we just think, yeah, live PJs, this would have been a really fun, kind of iconic way to end this album.
0: It fit with the BC boys, because they got yes. that sense of humor with their music, and it would just fit, like having all yeah. the crowd stuff and some of the jokes yeah. they're cutting.
1: Yeah, because they're telling you to go home. Like, hey, go yeah. home, don't drink. It's like they're wrapping up the album. It would have been really fun. And like also, because the way I arranged it, we'd be getting there a little sooner, too. Like I said, there's a little bit of fat just in this last side, this last stretch of the road. There's a little bit of fat. And I feel like if they, like I said, swapped out one song, cut out another one, trimmed another one we would have had a perfect final oh, side. Agreed. And that's it. That's it. The other three sides are all perfect. I wouldn't change a goddamn thing about them or change one note. But this last side, yeah, we, we, we just made it a little bit better the way we did it. <laughs> but yeah. but, but so still great, so still great, you know. And, hey, nothing against Buddhists. At least don't go around trying to fucking... Tell everyone what to do. <laughs> <For real. laughs> so, so more power to MCA. And you know, it helped him out a lot because, like you, it's kind of like you if you're Christianity. Yeah, um, MCA. You know, he was he was kind of getting dusted, as he says in Paul's boutique. He was doing a lot of drugs. He was getting a little rowdy, becoming a little bit of a punk. Started carrying around a gun and stuff. Start start to fall into some of the hip hop cliches. Yeah, and, and then he was like, he stopped himself. He said, you know what? I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be an asshole. I don't want to be some white boy trying to be cool, trying to be a gangster thing. And he went in a different direction. And and Buddhism did help him. It helped him get into a more enlightened, more positive direction. And it's the kind of thing that made him go, you know what? I'm going to be creative. I'm going to be artistic. I'm going to be spiritual. I'm going to pick up my bass and make some fucking badass bass, you know, music. And, you know, it put him in the right direction. So Buddhism led to MCA creating fucking awesome bass lines like Gratitude Mm -hmm. and Live with the PJs, then, hey, good on you, Buddha.
0: (laughs) I know Akira Akira Takasaki from uh, Loudness, he he was also, uh, he he became a Buddhist as well. That's a band I like talking about in the future is Loudness.
1: Yeah, that'd be awesome, you know, we could do that too. And uh, so that's it. So that's pretty much it. You got any other final things to say about this album on the whole?
0: Uh man, just it—it it was a good album, um, and I, I just can't wait to dive more into the Beastie Boys. I'm gonna start ch- now that this review's over. I'm gonna start look. I'm gonna give Paul's Boutique another chance, uh, as I need to give that album a couple more listens, and I'm gonna go check out some of their other, uh, some of their later albums that came after this one. And, I mean, they really impressed me, man. I'm not the biggest rap guy, but I don't know, man. Just the Beastie Boys, man. It's just like they like. They did something that I feel like rap artists just stopped doing after, like, you know, the 90s, which is just, like, uh, experimenting and, like, trying to evolve rap music. I feel like rap music's been kind of stagnant. It's like, you know, the BC Boys were, like, trying new things. It's like, you know, hard rock music and heavy metal music. It's like, you got heavy metal, you got hard rock, but there's so many different, like, styles of it. You got thrash metal, you got hair metal, you got your death, you this, this, and that. And it's like, I feel like raps and, like, the Beastie Boys are trying to do that with rap, where, like, you can be rap, but you can also experiment with other styles and create all these different subgenres of it. I feel like no one ever really, like, picked up on that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree, totally. And, and you know, there's a few, there were a few bands that did other things, but again, in the 90s, you know, you had Outkast and Wu Tang Clan. And other bands that I think, uh, and to to some degree, this will be controversial, but I, for some people who I know hate him, but I do think Kanye West did try to step out of his box a bit. You know, he mixed an R&B synthesizer, even though it was greatly overused and kind of ruined music. It's really because of him. He started the whole that whole robot digital. Yeah. voice, but it was something new when he was doing it. He kind of did that, and then every GI though movie, yes, yeah, exactly. It's like it kind of opened up the floodgates. Like he was an innovator, but then it led to a lot of shit music. Yeah, <laughs> but he, but he was trying to do different stuff, so I give him credit for that. And but for the most part, yeah, as an art form, it definitely peaked in the '90s. peaked in the mid '90s. I I'm gonna have two recommendations, both hip hop oriented. One, the obvious one, to you. <laughs> Personally, and to anyone, if you just got in to check your head, well, you definitely got to listen to Ill Communication. <laughs> Ill Communication, Beastie Boys. Uh, I would say this is their probably their biggest album. It has... Uh the biggest their biggest hit which i would say is sabotage also sure shot which is a fairly well known song and that's from 1994 it's essentially check your head part two you know electric boogaloo and they perfect it's pretty much everything you like about this album it's pretty much just everything that this album does even the ending is a little underwhelming kind of like this <laughs> it, 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 it's kind of uh, a side heavy but it's it's but man, that A side is like some of the best music you'll ever hear, and it you know jumps from you know hip hop to hardcore to jazzy instrumentals. That, you know, it, it's an amazing album. Great bass lines from um, MCA. Sabotage has a great thick uh, breakdown when this when you hear just the bass, it's awesome. And uh, another great instrumental, which is both rockin' and funky, called Futterman's Rule. It has one of the best MCA bass lines. Root Down's a great song. A lot of great shit. Highly recommend Ill Communication. Gotta check that out. And another album which I think is cut from a similar cloth is... Did you ever hear DJ Shadow? No. Okay, DJ Shadow did essentially, uh, at least initially, he did instrumental hip-hop albums. Okay. um, I'm recommending his first album from 1996, which is kind of an underground hip-hop cult classic called introducing that's e-n-d like end introducing dot 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 uh is the name of the album and it's it's similar to paul's boutique but without rapping it's essentially it's a collage it's a collage of again this was like when hip-hop was an art form and and it was all about layering different Sounds and yeah. he makes all these different samples and does. He actually samples the Beastie Boys a little bit, some early Beastie Boys on it. There's a song where he samples Metallica's Orion. He takes nice. just the fade out, the fade in, fuzzy, distorted, you know, Cliff Burton's bass. And rah, that awesome.
0: That's opening. my favorite part of that song yeah, too.
1: He, he turns a whole goddamn fat ass heavy metal hip hop song out of it, and it's called the Number Song. Badass song, uh, a lot of great tracks on it. He samples every. He samples things from uh, John Carpenter's uh, *Prince of Darkness*. Ooh. Stuff, things from uh, *Twin Peaks*. David Lynch. A lot of different cool samples. Um, he has a song where he's calling out hip hop. is why hip hop sucks in '96. I can only imagine what he thinks of <laughs> hip hop now. <laughs> oh <laughs> it's like, God, that, Yeah. That was, was so great. <laughs> but uh, badass song. Badass song after badass song. It's just an amazing uh, mosaic collage of samples. It's one of the great hip-hop albums, in my opinion. So, if you're interested in just listening to a, just a really pure raw hip-hop album without any rapping, that's all just, just ingenious samples, and he does it like like a jazz musician, mixing in new sound after new sound. And it's just a badass album, great production. I highly recommend DJ Shadows introducing. Nice.
0: Well, I'm going to go with... Uh... My recommendation uh, its going to be kind of like within the same theme of our show here. Um, well, I, we were talking earlier about the new Megadeth single at Ice-T. Well, that actually, after hearing that and then after hearing the shitty Queensryche song, I was inspired to go listen to some Body Count, which was Ice-T's like heavy metal band. And I'm recommending uh, my personal fare, as of now, my personal fare down by them, 2017's Bloodlust. Which it has a song with uh, Dave Mustaine on there. Uh, he does a song with Max Cavalera, one with Randy Blythe. Just what a fucking killer album, man! Uh, this is why we ride. Civil War. Uh, Walk with me. He does a pretty cool cover of Raining Blood on there. Just No Lives Matter. Amazing, amazing fucking album. I think it's probably their probably their best album since their debut. And like I said, obviously. You know, since uh, since last year, this has probably been, like, my favorite album. It used to be the first one for a while. Just great. I love body count. You know, really great, like, uh, it's just heavy metal music with, like, the attitude of that 90s gangster rap. Ice-T does an amazing job on it. I love it.
1: Yeah, I gotta check that out. Actually, to be honest, I, I had the first body album back in the day, and I did like it a lot. It's a lot of funny lyrics, good rock. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I liked it at uh, KKK, Bitch. Oh, that
0: song fucking rules.
1: Evil Dick. There were a lot of good songs on it. There Goes the Neighborhood. So that was a classic. But, you know, I haven't really uh, listened to them in a while. But, you know, this new Megadeth song made me want to kind of do what you did. So I'm going to go back and I- I'm going to check out that album that you're recommending. Yeah. And I'm going to listen big- to more Body Count.
0: Yeah, they had they had uh, the first album which I love, then the next two albums I wasn't too crazy about, but Bloodlust was fucking amazing, and I still have to check out the new album, Carnivore. I still have not checked it out yet, so I have to check that one out as well, but definitely Bloodlust is probably like my favorite, so definitely check it out. Real great fucking album.
1: Yeah, well, I definitely will. That, well, this was a lot of fun, my friend. It was great talking about the PC Boys with you. I'm glad oh, I turned yeah. turn you on to them. This is awesome. And I hope a lot of people listen to this and open their minds yeah. and listen to some uh, good hip-hop back when it was good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, and, uh, yeah, so this will be the next episode, and... Uh me and Edwin are taking a break for August because we need it. Uh, but don't worry, we have like seven, think like <laughs> seven episodes that are going to be being released. We got and a bunch of different stuff. We got like Smashing Pumpkins. We got Rat. We got Oh My God Kiss. Uh, a lot of different stuff for you. So stay tuned. We got some good episodes coming.
1: Yep, stay tuned. Rock on. Later, people. Later.
0: Later. Motherfucker, dear old dad. What we really trying to say is Body Count loves everybody We love
1: Mexican girls, black girls, Oriental girls It really don't matter If you from Mars and you got a pussy We will fuck you You know, that's all we're saying Word. So every year when Body Count comes around We throw orgy in every little southern town KKK skinhead and Nazi girl Breaking next to get to the party It ain't
0: like they men can't nut they just too little and they just can't fuck So we get buck wild with the white. We show him how to really work the white sheep I know a daddy will really be after me When his grandson's named Lil Ice-T ah, Love my KKK bitch, love it when she fuck me though ah, Love my KKK bitch, she love it when she fuck me though ah, Love my KKK bitch, she love her when I treat her bad ah, Love my KKK bitch her dear old dad!